welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your host, Matt Strawn and Allie Terry. Hello, everybody. Welcome to fall. Welcome to episode 17 of Let's Get Haunted, your neighborhood um, cursed podcast. Yeah. And also pumpkins. And pumpkin. Yes. We were just discussing how it's finally pumpkin season again. Yeah. And pumpkin spice lattes aren't that good. Right. Because when like pumpkin has never been something that is like, I don't know when pumpkin became like this attractive, sexy fall thing. Sexy. Like when have you ever seen a person just dig into a raw pumpkin? Maybe if you were starving, I, unless and you're like you were in the desert and someone threw a pumpkin at you as they were driving by. I mean, <laughs> I'm just imagining you, you dying because someone <laughs> throws a pumpkin at you going like 60 miles an hour. <laughs> so Natalia and I are kind of delirious right now. Natalia, yeah. do you want to explain why? I'm so pissed. Uh, we <laughs> recorded this entire episode and then it was like audio lost and we had to redo it. So we took a moment. We took an hour apart from each other to just go and like live our lives. And then, and then we came back, back together. But now we can't even record in the studio because our studio time was used up with the lost audio. Mm-hmm. So now we're in one of our friend's bedrooms that yeah. like we don't know that well. Right. Well, I'm sitting on their, that person's bed. Um, you know, I thought about it though. I don't consider it time lost because I spent it with you. Oh, thanks, Nat. You know, when, when that's a good optimistic way to look at it. It is. We've, (laughs) we've really been through a lot together. You're right. Um, name something that we've been through besides lost audio twice. Oh yeah. I was going to bring up the other time we lost (laughs) audio. Um, let's see. We survived a sorority together. We survived driving through a tornado in Texas together. We've survived multiple Coachella's together we survived staying in a haunted hotel together we survived your bachelorette party together you've planned several surprise parties (laughs) for me we survived yes there was that one time do you remember on like i think it was your 22nd or i think yeah i'm pretty sure it was your 22nd birthday where we all went out in manhattan beach and then you got really drunk and you saw a cop and you were like can you tase me see i don't remember this but i love hearing the story from you natalia went up to a cop and she was like can you please tase me i just want to know what it feels (laughs) like that is like what 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 level of my soul did I unlock that <laughs> night? Because I have never had that wish on myself ever, actually. And then the cop just looks at me and the person I was standing next to. And he was like, can one of you please take her away from me? Because I will tase her. Like, he was pissed. <laughs> He's like, why is this girl bothering me? He's got bar fights to break up. Yeah. yeah. You know, Alyssa is wearing a hat right now that... <laughs> It has like Roman like letters on it and it looks like it says BBC. And I was like, oh, are you wearing a hat that says big black cock on it? But what does it mean? It means goth boy click. It's GBC. GBC. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, It was the click that, I mean, it still exists, but like Lil Tracy and Lil Peep, like a bunch of people, like a bunch of those like goth SoundCloud rock rap oh guys that all died um well little tracy's still alive but peep is for sure dead i don't know it was just like their click Alyssa's always wearing something and i'm like what is that and she's like oh you don't know about this like underground rapper from you know his name is like light post lamp man well this is cool she's like knows about the underground music i don't know why you're being nice to me right now i'm very skeptical (laughs) (laughs) i feel like are you about to ask me to borrow 50 bucks no (laughs) i'm not i'm not being nice these are just facts like you just know about things 
every time I've gone to Coachella, I'm like, oh, cool grass. And you're like, okay, so we're going to this and this and this and this. And I'm like, where do you find the time to like listen to music? I drive a lot. Yeah. See, but the algorithm for Spotify recommends me like literally recommended me Michelle Branch. I think after we, <laughs> I think it was after we had that one we night had out an in Hollywood. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about that yet on the podcast. Yeah, that's cursed. Like, yeah, what is the right. point? You're the, right. What's the story behind that? Other than we were really drunk, and I pulled a branch out of a trash can, and we started saying, "What you don't know, Michelle?" Is that branch? what happened? I didn't even know that happened until I rewatched the Instagram story later. Yeah, I pulled a. I was drunk, but I remember this because I was like, "Oh, this is gonna get the people going." <laughs> I saw a branch in a trash can, and I pulled it out, and then started taunting like. People people who didn't care what we were doing with it and i'm like what you don't know michelle branch right and then it just created this like chaotic female energy and everyone like joined in and we're like what you don't know michelle branch and, and then we started, started playing, playing. Yeah, yeah michelle branch on spotify and that was the first time i think i had heard or remembered michelle branch oh i love michelle branch you remember vanessa carlton yeah they look the same and they had the same, the same genre sound. music yeah, yeah vanessa yeah. carlton's who do you think would win in a fight I asked that on my uh, Instagram the other day. I don't know Michelle Branch as well as I know Vanessa Carlton. So you think Vanessa Carlton? Well, isn't Vanessa Carlton younger? I think they're the same age. Vanessa Carlton's music is like, I lost my virginity in a room. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was happy about it. It wasn't traumatic at all. Right. And then she's like, the funny little. Yeah. And then Vanessa Carlton's also like, if I could walk a thousand. Oh, is that Vanessa? Yeah, that is Vanessa Carlton, isn't it? Oh, Michelle. But Michelle Branch joined up with that country singer and they made a band. The Wreckers. They were called, it was short for the Home Wreckers. And they had a bunch of like Miranda Lambert. Lambert-esque songs and it was dope about oh. like king king someone's car and like oh yeah shooting him in the face because yeah, he cheated yeah. on you <laughs> yeah. chaotic woman energy well yeah that sounds like she would win the fight I yeah. think yeah and then, Michelle, and then Vanessa Carlton would write a song about it and be like I got keyed in the face yeah <laughs> Michelle Branch shot me <laughs> in the face but it's okay <laughs> I grew from the experience yeah right <laughs> so this you is a guys, horrible intro this is the worst intro but you guys I have a, an actual haunted story to share with you. I feel like I haven't had any personal hauntings recently, but I've got one. Natalia already knows what it is because we already tried recording this once. Yeah, you guys, let me prepare you for this. Have you seen Taken, the movie? Alyssa literally Liam Neeson. People listening right now are like, what? Where is this going? Okay, I lost. (laughs) I went to get gas at six in the morning because I had to go testify against the guy that scammed me and Steve out of our wedding. If you don't know that story, listen to Listener Stories episode number one. And I think what must have happened is while I was at the gas station, I probably tried to put my credit card in my pants pocket and it fell on the ground. I just didn't notice because it was early as fuck. And then I drove off. Anyway, when I got to the courthouse, I realized that I didn't have my credit card but I'm always losing everything. So I just figured it was somewhere in my car. Mm-hmm. But I signed up for email notifications every time I swipe my card. Why might you ask? Because I'm trying to be more responsible with money. And sometimes you don't really realize how much you're spending when you just swipe a card. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the court the court hearing was bullshit because the guy that's trying to scam us just decided that he wanted a new attorney. So then the process starts over again. So I drove all the way out there for two hours for nothing. So then turn around, come back, and I get back to my office. And I'm in the office with my coworker and I get an email notification saying that my card's been swiped and it says pizza chief which is a pizzeria in Oxnard, California. And pizza so chief. pizza chief. Wait, C H I E F? Yes. It's like kind of is that offensive? Oh. I don't I never thought of it. It might be I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. 
<laughs> no, like, hey, hey, chief. Oh, maybe. You're right. Actually. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Well, that's the name of the... I didn't make the store. Okay. <laughs> I'm not one of the... Fa- I'm not Mr. Chief. I didn't found it. Okay. Okay. So... Uh, but- you think Pizza Chief <laughs> was founded by someone named Mr. Chief? Like His, his first, first name is Pizza. Chief? And his last name is it's Chief. <laughs> you guys bear with us bear with us okay so i'm like looking at this email notification i'm like did i go to pizza chief today because this is how out in outer space i am i was like did i you know did i stop by pizza chief this morning like no of course fucking not i never go to pizza chief and then i was like well maybe i went there yesterday and i just don't remember and like the the email notification was delayed so anyway i didn't really think anything of it because it was like for like six bucks or something and then i get another email notification that says that someone just swiped my card at smoke shop express in mm. oxnard and i'm like all right that's so <laughs> all right like unoriginal. that's not me i know a smoke shop and a pizza place it's called smoke shop express number two is there more than one i don't, I don't know this is the first i've ever heard of it that's actually a really good business plan like if you just like make make it seem like you're part of a chain and then people are like oh this is a good oh yeah if they're good business. enough to have expanded yeah like, like what yeah. if it was like lgh podcast number two yeah. Yeah. The first one. <laughs> Wait, what was it talking about? Oh, so then, okay, it says that my card swiped at Smoke Shop Express number two. And anyone, any normal person would just at this point, like, call and cancel their credit card, right? Right. But yeah, I don't why? express myself very often. So when I get a chance, like, when someone has committed an injustice against me, that's when I can let out all of my frustration at once. Rage. But Liam Neeson. It, right. So at this point, though, I did call Capital One and I was like, okay, I'm going to cancel my credit card. But as I'm on hold with Capital One, another email swipe comes through and it shows that they just used my credit card at Lupita's Panaderia. Well, here's the thing. I know Lupita because it's a very common spot to get coffee in the morning for the agricultural community. So I turn to my coworker and I'm like, someone has my credit card. Like they just swiped at Lupita's and she's like, what are you kidding? So she calls Lupita's Panaderia and she's talking to them and she's like, somebody just used my coworker's credit card at this time for this amount. And it was like a small amount. Like someone was clearly trying to test my card all day to yeah. see how much they could spend without it getting denied or without someone checking their ID. And so it was for a dollar fifty. So like, you know, what can you possibly buy for a dollar fifty at a store? One bread. One, yeah. Yeah, one pawn, but not the Doria. And so <laughs> this is the dumbest podcast I've ever done. But it's true. And so Lupita is on the other line and she's like, oh my God, you know what? She might still be outside. So she runs outside, takes a picture with her cell phone of this lady. Lupita's uh, Liam Neeson too? Oh, Lupita was living for this as well. They were on it. They the, were Liam Neeson. Oh, this is this is peak Oxnard culture though. Like we just, we don't call the cops. Right. We don't call gotta, the authorities. You got to take matters into your own exactly. hands. Exactly. And so... It's a do-it-yourself culture. <laughs> and so my coworker and I, I keep almost saying her name and I want to keep her out of this because she did not ask to be featured on this podcast. We drive to the Panaderia and on the way there, I record this video of myself driving and I sent it to my friends in a group chat. And mm-hmm. I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to play it right now. This was honestly the most exciting thing that happened to me all day. Yeah. Like receiving this video of Alyssa saying she was going to catch the person who's using her credit card. Like, how does one even do that? Are you guys ready for this video? Here, I'm going to play the This was sent audio. in our group chat. Okay, so somebody stole my credit card earlier today when I was getting gas, and they've been running all around Ventura County charging my card, and 
and I have been calling the different stores where the transactions are, trying to figure out who this person is, and we think we just found her because Lupita from Lupita's Panaderia was super helpful and sent us a photo of what the lady looks like, and she said that the lady is outside the shop right now. So we're going to find her. We're going to fuck her up. Just kidding. I'm going to give her money to get my card back. Um, and not report her to the police because I'm nice. That was on the way to the Panaderia. So we go to the Panaderia. Unfortunately, the lady is already gone. We're like, God damn it. But Lupita's super helpful. Gets us a copy of the receipt. That's clearly not my signature. She tells us the direction the lady went in. So my coworker and I are just like walking around this little shopping center trying to find her. We can't find her. So we're like, all right, well, you know what? Lupita doesn't have surveillance cameras, but the smoke shop has to. So we go across the street to smoke shop express number two. I explain to the guy what's going on. And he's like, oh, oh man, you know what? You're the second person this month to have that happen to them here. And I'm like, that's why it's called Express Smoke Shop number two. Because he just, he's so fast. He doesn't check your ID. (laughs) 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 But it was just so like, I. but I wanted to be nice to him because I wanted him to give me the surveillance footage. You're collecting receipts. I'm collecting receipts. This is what I do. My job in human resources (laughs) is to collect receipts. I Uh collect receipts all day fucking long. People lie to me all day long. And then I produce the receipt and I'm like, hey, you're lying to me. You want to choose a different story? Mm -hmm. So he's like going to take between like 30 to 45 minutes. I have to get permission. And I was like, all right, whatever. So as I'm talking to the guy, Lupita calls my coworker. And as we're both standing in the smoke shop, she's like, oh, my God, the lady came back and I'm going to see if I can get your credit card from her. Pita. I know. She's the fucking best. And so we immediately book it back to the Panaderia. And so what was happening before we walked in? So the lady comes up to her again after just buying a coffee a few minutes earlier. And she's like, hey, I was just here a few minutes ago. I was wondering if I could also get a horchata and cash back. So this woman was trying to get I was about to say ho. Did you just call her a hoe? I was about to call her a hoe but then you know that's not very feminist of me so <laughs> but this woman goes is like trying to get cash back on my credit card. Yeah the like, interest is so high It's bitch. so high like if you've ever been broke if you're listening to this podcast and you've ever been broke couldn't use a debit because you had no cash in the bank and so you had to like go pull out cash from your get a cash advance from your credit card like that is suicide because the amount of money you have to pay back it's just not worth it. Peta said to her, oh, you know what? For cash back, like you have to give me the card um, and I have to, you know, swipe it back here. So you have to hand it to me. The lady goes, okay, hands her the card. And then Lupita goes, actually, I just got off the phone with the police and they said that this card is stolen and you have to leave immediately because they're on their way. Pita. Right? And so as this is happening, my coworker and I are walking through the Panaderia door and immediately the woman just starts fucking screaming. Mm -hmm. And she's like, fuck you, bitch. The police didn't call you. You're fucking lying to me. Give me the card back. I'm a licitary. And as... I'm walking in. I made sure I had my driver's license in my hand and I'm holding it out in front of me. And I walk through the door and I go, you're not a licitary. I'm a licitary and you stole my credit card. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's so awesome. And she pulls out of her pocket a stack of credit cards. And I'm guessing like maybe like 10 to 15. (gasps) And she goes, yeah, well, whatever, bitch. Fuck you. Like you might have your credit card back, but I have all of these other stolen credit cards. Fuck you. I don't need your card. And I was like, you know, I was going to offer you money to give me my card back but if you already have 12 other credit cards then i guess you don't need it Mm -hmm. and then she just looked at me and then ran out the door didn't you say she bought a meth pipe oh yeah okay so then at this point i get my credit card gotta go back across the street to the smoke shop because by this time 30 minutes have elapsed so i'm thinking he's got to have the surveillance footage now and i walk in there and he's 
like, oh yeah, she bought a, uh, she bought a pack of cigarettes and a meth pipe. And so I'm talking to my coworker on the phone and I'm like, yeah, she bought a pack of cigarettes and she bought a fucking crack pipe. So now I have to report it to the credit card company because I don't want people to think I bought a crack pipe. And the guy just interrupts me and he goes, actually, miss, it was a meth pipe, not a crack pipe. And they're very different things. <laughs> I'm so confused as to why they're allowed to sell meth and meth and crack pipes. Like, isn't that a super illegal substance? I think it's legal to sell the pipe. It's but it's illegal to sell the substance, obviously. Wow, scammers. Scammers. I know it. And actually, we're going to be talking about a scammer in my story today. Oh, no. So that's kind of the perfect segue. Well, that was just like the most Liam Neeson story I've ever heard of you. I was I felt very proud of myself. That, I mean, that could have gone so wrong. She could have. You could have walked in and said, I'm Alyssa Terry, and then she just slashes your throat. That's actually, that's what, <laughs> that's what uh, my coworker was like. You know, if we walk in there and she looks insane, we should probably just leave because she might stab you. And I was like, yeah. no, I'm mad. Yeah. I'll, the adrenaline will keep me alive until they get me to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> you will haunt I will haunt that woman. And the best part is, so I was talking to a relative of mine about this story. And he was like, oh, like, let me see the picture of her. So I showed the picture and he goes, oh, my God, I used to work at Home Depot. And I used to see her all the time shoplifting stuff in Home Depot. This woman's a career thief. I know. And then I was like, should I have reported her to the police? And I was like, no, it's really not worth it because I'm going to let my credit card company sort it out because I ended up having to tell them what was happening because she bought a meth pipe and I don't want that on my... Back, I don't know. I get paranoid about stuff like yeah. I don't fucking do meth. I don't need right. that well, because in my we, If I record. learned anything from having this podcast, it's that if something happens, people are going to make up stories with yes. whatever evidence you believe behind. Exactly. So, Alyssa having one time bought a crack pipe yeah. in Ventura um, County. Excuse me, a meth pipe. A meth pipe. It's very different. <laughs> will definitely like have an influence on how people think you died. Right. Like if I go missing tomorrow and they look at my previous week's transactions and they're like, oh, wow, looks like she bought a meth pipe. I guess that means she went and overdosed in a forest and died. Yeah. Case closed. And like, really, you're just like, hey, come find me. Yeah. When I really locked I, out of my car. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Please, someone help me. I locked my keys and phone in my car at Area 51. Yeah. Like, anyway, so that was my haunted story. And much like my haunted story is about a scammer, this story I'm about to tell you is also about a scammer. Are you ready? Are you raring oh, to go? I'm super excited about it. Fucking great. Okay, so first, I'm going to tell you what my sources are for this story. My sources for this episode are Wikipedia, Reddit, Crime Watch Daily, Generation Y Podcast, BuzzFeed Unsolved, Web Sleuths, OKCFox.com, what? Daily Mail, MysteriousUniverse.org, and the Oklahoma City Courthouse. What? Okay, wait. There's OKC Fox News, and then there's the Oklahoma City County Courthouse. Is this a story about Oklahoma? Yes, it is. <gasps> Natalia, do you want to tell our listeners why uh, you are excited about that? Well, I'm excited about that because I'm from Oklahoma City. Yeah, so I yeah. planned this. I, oh I was like, you know what? I've heard this story before a billion fucking times. So for people who are listening, you've obviously already seen the title of this podcast. Mm -hmm. So you already know what the topic at hand is for this episode but Natalia doesn't know yet that's the whole point of our dynamic yeah. on this podcast so I'm not going to tell you what it's about yet I'm going to slowly work, work is it about it how into it shitty the Oklahoma City Thunder are and how they just let everyone down do you remember in college you, you told everyone that if Oklahoma won 
against Dallas. Against Dallas, you get a tattoo, and then they and won, they, and you didn't get a tattoo. No, they didn't win. They oh, lost. they didn't win. Oh, I they thought they won this Dallas. whole time. Wow, they lost. Uh, they lost. You were with me watching the final. I know. Game. I'm like not super into the NBA. I don't know why. You I, just had the assumption that I wouldn't go through with it. Yeah, so in your mind, that memory. I was like, oh, just, they won. They like, won. And she didn't do it. I'm gonna look it up. I feel like they won. They didn't win. Okay. I would know if they won. All right, a I national you. championship. I believe you. Okay, so you're from Oklahoma City, Natalia. Yes, I am. Have you ever heard of a little town called Eufaula? Wait. Yeah, I have. Actually, there's a big lake out there that everyone goes and like lake stuff to. But I don't. Yeah, that's all I know about it. Okay, so you are. Hold on. My leg fell asleep. Okay, so you are right on the money. You follow all that there is. There is a lake. So you're already like 100% of the way done. But I'm going to tell you a little bit. Like maybe I'm going to get you to 101% right now. Oh, fully charged. So. (laughs) So. This is, so this is the worst taglines ever. I know. Wow, our you guys want to get a shirt that says "fully charged" but, on it, and it just has a phone that says "hundred one percent" and it's like on fire. Okay, <laughs> that actually sounds lit. Yeah, it does. Oh, literally. Okay, <laughs> so it, this town is called Eufaula, Oklahoma, and it's about two hours east of Oklahoma City, which is the capital of the state of Oklahoma within the United States. Yes. If you live in the U.S., you're like, why did she just specify all of that? But we actually have a lot of listeners. Uh, in other countries yeah uh, you know for the u.s it might be hard to understand but there are other places that don't know the names mm-hmm. of our states yeah yeah sometimes i don't know the names of our states yeah i forget sometimes i for a while thought that um portland was its own thing <laughs> and then i learned that portland is actually a city in another state back to you back to the story at hand Eufaula is located within McIntosh County, and its name comes from the Eufaula tribe who settled in this area of Oklahoma in the 1820s. As of 2010, the city had a population of only 2,813 people. Sounds right. Yeah, super small. The city has a total area of 9.6 square miles. Of that 9.6 square miles, only 6.6 are land, and then three square miles are water, which makes up Lake Eufaula. So Lake Eufaula was created as the reservoir for the Eufaula Dam, which is the state's largest lake contained entirely within its borders. Standing Rock, a historical monument, became submerged after the area behind the dam was flooded. Wait, what's what's Standing Rock? Okay, so Standing Rock... Um, I have an article here, so I'm going to tell you what the name of the article is. How is it that I don't know about a monument that's in my own home state? I don't know, but uh, I'm glad you don't know about it because now <laughs> I get to read you this article. We're okay. all learning together today. Okay, so Eric Standridge uh, wrote this article. The article is called Buried Treasure in Oklahoma, The Strange Tale of Standing Rock. What? This is about buried treasure? This is literally Natalia's favorite fucking topic on <laughs> earth is buried money. Any any like form of anything that like might help her pay off her debt. She's like, wait, where is it? Let me go get it. Hidden, you guys, hidden fortunes that aren't like, ooh, you can't get to it because it's in like some foreign offshore bank and it's just actually a bunch of digital numbers. No, like this is something that salt of the earth, like when money is buried into the ground, physical coins like i could actually go there and dig it up and get it like what could be more exciting than that right let's think of let's think back to episode four our favorite <laughs> episode Dutchman's, Dutchman's treasure. treasure gold mine and then natalia had said on that episode that she wanted to go pan for gold in the la river which is in very infected with like the plague 
and heroin needles but some people, has no gold some people would see that as a plus because no one else was be doing that. <laughs> i know for if there is gold in there i will get it you're right no one else would dare go in there think about it this way if your engagement ring fell off on a rainy day went into the sewer and then 20 years from now it was in the la river and someone like me scrappy up by the the boot of their seat pants whatever whatever <laughs> the thing is scrappy and resourceful hey, pull yourself up by the bootstraps yeah that I'm yes. doing that <laughs> in the LA River and I just get one diamond ring like that is a great profit for a day of work. You wouldn't turn it into the police? What what do you mean turn it into the police? When you find something valuable like if you find money in a bag you out you're supposed to turn it into the police. No, like, that's not You a wouldn't thing. do it? Why would I it, that's not a law. Is there a law that says if you find something valuable you have to give it to the police? I don't know. I've always that's what I've always done. I thought what, aren't you supposed to do that? When have you found something valuable and given when it to I, the police? When I was in elementary school, I was walking to school and I found a bag with some money in it. I don't know how much it was because I I don't I was a child, but I went to school and I told the principal and he called the um you know they used to have a resource officer on yeah. campus, he called the resource officer who came, took the money to the police station. Yeah, no that resource officer <laughs> is like $200 richer now. Oh, well, I got got. I thought <laughs> I thought that's what you're supposed to do. Okay, let me read this article to you. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so for people who are already lost, we're talking about uh Standing Rock in the Eufaula Lake. Okay. From buried Spanish gold to ill-gotten gains of outlaw loot, Oklahoma has a fantastic history of producing treasure tales. Some of these tales border on the absurd, while others are deeply rooted in historical fact. The tale of Standing Rock contains a bit of flavor from both. On one end, the tale can easily be dismissed as there are no historical facts to prove it. At the other, there is just enough evidence to support it. What's the evidence? So... First of all, I just want to say that that description of what this story is about, like, you can't prove it, so it's probably not true, but maybe it's true. That's the definition of our podcast. Yeah, so I love who wrote this article again. Um, Eric Standridge. It's called A Man After My Own Heart. It's called Suspense and we do it well. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Except when the audio drops out and we can't record our episode. OK, so. One of the earliest tales of buried treasure in Oklahoma stem from Spanish explorers. Legend claims that Coronado and his band of conquistadors made their way across Oklahoma in 1535 in search of the fabled seven cities of gold. From Mexico, his men traveled north into New Mexico and then east into Oklahoma and Kansas. While in Oklahoma, they paused for a while at Standing Rock on the north bank of Piney Creek near Lake Eufaula. Standing Rock was named for a massive slab that had broke loose from a sandstone cliff formation high above the north bank of the Canadian, which, by the way, is a river. They're talking yeah, about the, the Canadian, Canadian River. river. Yes. It's, it's a very spiritual river that goes through Oklahoma. There's like so many, so much Native American folklore about that river. Ooh, maybe we should do an episode just about that river. Um, so, okay. So Standing Rock was this stone, part of a cliff, right? And mm -hmm. it breaks off. It tumbles into the Colorado River and lodged itself in the center of a nearby stream. Before the location was flooded by Lake Eufaula, the rock was well known as a directional landmark. It stood between 40 and 65 feet tall. The walls of the rock were smooth, and since it was located in the river, it was hard to reach. Still, because of its location, it would be hard to miss. 
It was at this rock where Coronado and his men stopped to rest. The legend, as told by local Native Americans, goes on to say that Coronado had acquired a significant amount of gold while in New Mexico. The large amount was weighing down the pack horses and slowing the men down. Additionally, many of the men were getting sick for unknown reasons. With so much of his team sick and wore out, Coronado decided to hide the treasure until they finished their hunt. Oh, God. His intention was to pick it back up on their way south. But he probably, what, he couldn't find it again? After the loot was hidden, they carved several markers throughout the area. Two markers were carved on the rock around 30 feet up from the base. These consisted of a stylized turtle and a triangle with a handle attached to one of the points. Another symbol found nearby was a large arrowhead marker carved on a large oak tree. The arrowhead pointed upwards as if pointing towards the sky. These symbols were to indicate where the treasure was buried so that they could easily find it on their return trip. I know what's going to happen because every time someone fucking gets tired of carrying their gold around, they're like, right. oh, I'm going to bury it and I'm going to come back for it. But they make it they make the directions to get it so confusing that they don't understand how to get back to it. And it's lost forever. Also, I what is up with this excuse of like, oh, I was sick. So therefore I had to put the gold in the ground. Like, no, you are on a pack horse, dude. Yeah. Like, even if your men are dying and falling off sick. So what? That's just an extra pack horse that you can put gold on. Right. <laughs> like, I don't understand, like, what this problem is. Like, don't never bury your treasure is what I'm trying to tell you right yeah, now. Don't do it. Or if you're going to bury your treasure, write really explicit directions on the rock instead of like a triangle with a handle next to a turtle. Like, who the fuck knows what that means how about just write the treasure is buried under this rock <laughs> wow wow like problem fucking solved but you don't want other people to get it honestly do you think back in the day people were really like going up to rocks and reading inscriptions just for fun no like you'd have to know that it was written on the rock right or like okay you don't want to write it on the rock fine why not go up to a tree and write the same message on that tree mm, the treasure is buried underneath this tree the, or the treasure is buried underneath that rock over there, the standing rock. I got to say, if I was a person who had a bunch of gold and was just like, I'm tired of carrying the gold, I would probably just set up my house there where the gold is yeah, now. Yeah. Like, Guess I, what? I live here now in this river. <laughs> yeah, I live on the bank of this river next right? to this big rock <laughs> with piles of gold. Are, so are you not curious about this I, turtle I, and triangle? I am. What does the what does the turtle represent? What okay. does it mean? All and right. why did these people get sick here? Okay. Is this a cursed land? What well, is it? Well, first, let me, one at a time, let me answer your first question. <laughs> I need to know where the gold is now. <laughs> I need to pay off my credit card debt now. I'm taking notes. Okay. I'm like, okay, big rock, river, got it. Okay, so you need to know what these markings mean if you're going to find the treasure. Yeah. So, Wilbert Martin from Tulsa had a theory about these markings. He said that if the arrow had pointed down, it could mean that treasure was buried there. If the symbol slanted, then it might mean proceed to the next marker. When an arrowhead was carved on a tree, with the point of the symbol pointing straight up, it could mean go ahead or go further on up a slope or hill. A turtle-shaped symbol could signify one of several things, one of which is disaster. This gives a little credence to the story as a good many of the Spanish men were sick with disease. Wait, why does a turtle represent disaster? Is it because it's like... 
slow and cautious and goes yeah, like you're shell. gonna we're slowing down maybe or like shell well oh shit you know when you're playing mario kart and a turtle <gasps> comes like that's, that's a why bad. yeah they were definitely playing mario kart earlier in the day <laughs> and then they were like you no know what? but i'm sure that the same sentiment that the nintendo makers used for that was coming from some sort of dangerous turtle thing because they could have chose anything they could have thrown stars they could have thrown toad heads which they do but <laughs> <laughs> i I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, they could have thrown, thrown daggers. Yeah. Yeah. But Why a turtle, it's a turtle shell? shell? Because it's kid friendly, I think. Oh, so finding this gold was supposed to be for anyone. Like, right. Like, they don't want to make it unaccessible. Well, also, a turtle is a little bit more mysterious than just putting a skull and crossbones on something. I feel like if I were walking in the desert and I just saw a drawing of a turtle on a rock, I wouldn't really think anything of it. Right. And that's why, why would that, like, you would think if they were supposed to, it's supposed to symbolize danger, it should be like a, don't fucking fuck with this stuff. Right. Well, and also, why are they trying to say danger? Like, what is the point? Like, the whole they're trying to tell people where the gold is buried. They don't need to tell people, oh, we were also very sick on this journey. And that's why I buried the gold. You know what I mean? Like, no one needs to be writing a novel in pictograms. Well, maybe it's kind of like, you remember the story you told about those people that were in the lighthouse? Yes. And like, they were, something was happening. So they weren't thinking clearly and their notes were fucked up too. Oh, okay. So maybe these guys were really sick with like syphilis or whatever they had. And so their brains are like melting inside their skulls and they were just like turtle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, what's that meme, the video where he's like, I like, like turtles. I know. It's, I was yeah. trying to do that voice. Yeah. I like turtles. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's painted like a zombie. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, so tell us about. He's like, so tell, tell us about, um, the, the, it was like a Halloween fair. Yeah, tell us about your face painting, your Halloween costume. He just goes. I like turtles. I like turtles. I know. <laughs> what do you think that kid's doing now? He's part of this conspiracy, whatever it is. Yeah, he's 100%. He was there in the 1500s. His soul has now been recycled into <laughs> into the turtle kid. Okay. Another was a mark. Oh, so I'm going back to the article. Okay. Okay. Another was a mark for a triangle area, in which case three trees or large rocks were picked that were so located that each tree or rock formed the point of an equilateral triangle. A turtle was usually the symbol used as a mark on each of these points. The triangle location was much used. The points might be 100 yards from each other, sometimes nearer or maybe further, as in one case in the West where the points were three miles apart. A dot in the center of a triangle on a rock or tree meant the treasure was buried in the center of the triangle area a mark attached to the outside point of a triangle and extending straight off could mean the treasure was buried outside the triangle area fuck so that means if i go to this area i have to find i have to first of all make up an equilateral triangle right. which could be anywhere between a hundred yards to three miles and the treasure would either be buried exactly in the center of that or outside of the triangle. That is the least helpful advice ever. You could pick literally right. three random things anywhere. Also, so does the turtle mean danger or does the turtle mean find two other turtles, see if it makes an equilateral triangle, and then go to the approximate middle and then dig? You know what I mean? Like, Maybe there's too thinking, many meanings. There's too many meanings for these symbols. I think we're thinking about it too hard. I think they're just like, turtle, that's what, you, that turtle, river... It's in the river. Turtle swims in river. Yeah. I dropped the oh, wait, gold no. in the river. A turtle, go- like, it goes on the bank and sits, right? To lay its eggs. To lay its treasure. <laughs> exactly. Dun, dun, dun. We've you cracked guys, the code. You got to send us to you Standing Rock. Oklahoma. Yeah, send us there. That would not be expensive. I'm excited. <laughs> we should oh, yeah. Go. We, go we should lake. go. Oh, yeah, that'd be so that's fun. a great one. Okay. 
Before Lake Eufaula was created, the Tolson was out exploring around Standing Rock when he claimed to have found a bar of gold. During the 1950s and 60s, he was considered one of the greatest experts on the treasure of Standing Rock in the state. <laughs> Following the visit of the Spaniards, the rock served as a marker for many years. During the 1800s, it was a favorite campsite for travelers heading towards California. When the Cherokee Nation was formed, it became one of the cornerstone markers of the surveyed boundary line. Although the story of Coronado and his men is entertaining, the likelihood of it being true is very slim. Coronado and his men did travel through Oklahoma, but their only movement in the state was to cross the panhandle. Still, that does not discount the presence of Spanish miners. In the later part of the 1700s, Spain had once again acquired the area once known as the Louisiana Territory from Spain. During this time, a great many Spaniards flocked to the Wichita Mountains to seek gold. A number of Spanish arrastras can still be found there today. Could this be where the legend of the Spanish buried treasure came from? Whoa. Okay, so you mentioned Wichita Mountains, and actually in the Wichita Mountains, there's this place called Wichita Falls. That's a really popular place to go in the summer, and it's like so beautiful. It's all these limestone rocks, and then there's like spring-fed water going through there, and they've built like water slides like into these like natural ponds, and everyone's swimming in it, having fun, and then there's like this chicken fried pot pie place that's what? like 20 miles away. A, f- a fr- fried chicken inside a pot pie? Uh, it, it's a pot pie that has fried chicken in it yeah oh and it's great i've never had that before i've had like turkey pot pie yeah i think you would really it's like oklahoma fried. but the point is that i know what this is talking about this is crazy that i've been this close to the gold this whole time and i left i left to come to california which supposedly has gold but i haven't seen any here yeah i haven't seen any gold and i was born here yeah i came here for the gold uh, yeah <laughs> i haven't seen any my reincarnated soul chose this place because i heard there was gold and now i'm just recording a podcast i re- relived the grapes of wrath i came from oklahoma to california you're and, right not and- during the dust bowl but like during the recession wow wow So actually, there's a second tale of buried treasure at Standing Rock. Do you want to hear it? What? So a more likely scenario comes from the Twin Territories paper printed in 1899. In the 1870s, during the era of the Great Cattle Drives, a rancher was returning home to Texas after driving a large herd of cattle to market in Kansas. After receiving a hefty sum in gold for his wares, he began to make his way back home. During those days, many stories circulated throughout the newspapers and taverns about ranchers getting waylaid by bandits and outlaws. While driving south, the rancher lost his way and soon found himself in unfamiliar territory. Fearing the worst, he decided that his best course of action was to hide his pay and try to find his way back to the main road. As quick as he could, he buried the saddlebag containing the silver coins, marked out directions so he would remember where to find the coins, and began scouting for the main road again. After some time, he finally found the main road again, although by this time he was starting to feel ill. Knowing that he hid his treasure well, he decided that it was in his best interest to continue on to Texas where he could seek medical attention. Within a few weeks after he was well recovered, he could return to pick up the stash. The rancher eventually reached his hometown in Texas, where he immediately sought out the local doctor. It soon became apparent that he wasn't getting any better. As he lay dying, he took the doctor in confidence and told him how to find his buried coins. The rancher instructed the doctor to find the carved hatchet on Standing Rock and follow the direction the handle pointed. He would come across another marker, an arrow, and he was to follow in that direction until he reached a cave. The rancher's treasure was located inside, buried about a foot deep. At first, the doctor disbelieved the rancher, but the more he thought about it, the more fascinated by the idea he became. (sighs) 
Do you think that this guy was just like, fuck it, I'm going to die, and this doctor is an asshole, and he didn't save me, so I'm just going to make his life so much more complicated. Right. Send him on this wild goose chase. So that, that was like rest- his last, like, he's like, this is such a funny joke. Like, my legacy is going to be that the uh, everyone thinks I buried treasure. Right. Or he was just like, this doctor sucks. He's been, like, bleeding my ankles yeah. to try he's to cure me. put leeches on my yeah. penis trying to cure me <laughs> of my syphilis soup brain. And, <laughs> and so he's like, I'm going to... Two things will happen. One, either this rancher will get the same Oklahoma backwoods disease that I got, or he will spend the rest of his life thinking that there's treasure out there that he can't find. Either one is hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> so, so the end to this story is, within a few weeks, the doctor took off for Indian territory. After arriving, he easily found Standing Rock, but that's where his journey ended. The untamed area proved to be too much for him, and he decided to turn back. The truth of the lost treasure of Standing Rock may never be known. In 1964, the dam at Lake Eufaula was completed. The area around Standing Rock was submerged. Today, the only way to find the location is to dive deep and search through the muddy lake bottom. Oh, it's never going to be found. Unless we get scuba certified. I have my scuba certification and there's no way in hell I'm going to dive down to the bottom of some haunted lake where you can't see two feet in front of you and like search around in the mud. I hate mud. With your hands and like you don't know which way's up or down because it's all muddy. I hate opaque water. I hate mud and I know what's going to happen. There's going to be dead bodies in there. There should be a horror movie called Opaque Water. (laughs) (laughs) I would watch it. Lakes are gross and that's what always happens in Oklahoma is they end up finding dead bodies in lakes. Oh, yeah, you're so and they right. have scary paddlefish. Do you know what a paddlefish is? No, but I don't it, like the sound of it. It's basically a dinosaur fish. It's like five feet long. This <laughs> fucking fish has a bill. Oh. And it looks like a Ew. paddle. That's like something like something started to evolve and then stopped. Yeah. Do you know what would happen if you're like 20 meters down at the bottom of a haunted lake and there's like scary haunted trees underwater everywhere? And, you and a haunted s- rock underwater. A haunted rock with weird symbols on it. And you're Where looking people at died. It, and then you turn around and like right in your face is a dinosaur paddlefish i would immediately (laughs) die (laughs) just immediately breathe in water (laughs) yeah my regulator would just like (laughs) yeah i would just die of fright is what would happen okay so maybe we won't go there people imagine if we did i mean i really want that satchel of silver that satchel of silver coins that may or may not even exist in the first place i mean the doctor's a well-educated man he went there and he looked at this and he's like nah fuck this i'm a doctor yeah he was like you know what this is way too fucking hard yeah (laughs) he was like (laughs) he was like i can just live the rest of my life doing very well on my comfortable you know here's your cocaine prescription right i'm the only doctor in the city and i have in the country and i have uh, an unlimited supply of cocaine yeah yeah i'm fine He's fine. I'll make my own silver. Exactly. So since you're from Oklahoma, Natalia, it sounds like you would know a little bit about the people that live there, right? Like the stereotypes or like character, common characteristics, maybe better to say other than stereotypes. Could you, do you think you could like list off a few adjectives that you would use to describe people who live in Oklahoma? I'm just going to like, you know, I'm just going to list off a bunch of stuff all at once. That would be like, that would make the Hollywood movie edit of Oklahoma. Okay. Perfect. 
We got ranchers, cowboys, mm-hmm. Native American culture um, is huge there. There's also uh, the Bible Belt. People are super into the Bible there. We have so many laws regulating, uh, like, beer isn't six-point alcohol. It's 3.2, and you can't buy cold beer. Everything's closed on Sunday because that's the day you're supposed to be going to worship. You can't buy liquor on Sundays. Um, also, the huge mega churches, like these pastors. Oh, and- like those big ones where, they like, the pastor comes flying in on a tightrope to the <laughs> that's pulpit actually like- not that's not too far off like there was this one called um i think it was called like hindredon or something that i went to because my neighbor went to it i mean that's oklahoma there's nothing to do so your neighbors are like we're going to the christmas special they got a live band and you're like oh hell yeah i'll go too <laughs> right and it's free because it's church so you're like in this giant air-conditioned auditorium seeing live music and people who have like choreographed a dance with like sign language to, to tell the story dressed of up Jesus. as Archangel Michael flying around on harnesses yeah I don't care what you believe that shit's cool yeah <laughs> so you go see that also um it's a lot there's a huge division of poverty between uh or there's a huge like division of wealth I guess I should say because you have these giant oil companies and like there's literally like the one percent lives there that does oil mm-hmm. stuff and then you have really 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 poor uh reservations that are people living off of the government you know, people get really so it's super conservative uh and republican and I would say like a lot of the toxic beliefs that I have about the government being out to like hurt me and how I should like keep the IRS away from my things comes from Oklahoma because I've been taught like government is bad and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. So you would, so I'm going to try to like sum up what you said and you tell me if I'm summing it up correctly. So what you're telling me is that this is a very conservative culture. Yes. This is very religious culture. Yes. Um, There might be Super outdoorsy too. Super outdoorsy. Okay. So like people know their way around the outdoors yeah, right like everyone's like an eagle scout without even being an eagle scout because like you said there's nothing to do there it's either go to church or go outdoors pretty much okay or get wasted or right okay drugs. or get wasted and do drugs so yeah. then could we also say that maybe there's a, a a large percentage of the population um that might have a substance abuse problem yeah i would definitely say that i think there's actually a huge opioid epidemic there too like people there's there's definitely definitely junkies out there for sure okay so that would be a Fair characterization then that there's you know there's um very religious very conservative very traditional um some people have substance abuse problems and everybody is either outdoors or in church yeah i mean that's oversimplifying it but yeah like i'm sure there's like some cowboy out there that's like doesn't believe in church and he's an atheist and is like whatever rebelling he's like liberal and is like painting pictures of cattle and also is a vegan but there's that too. Okay. All right. Well, but we're going to go with the stereotypes. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. So today I'm going to be telling you a story about the Jameson family. Have you ever heard of them? Jameson like the whiskey? No. No, they wish. Oh. Wait. What What are What are they? Okay. So uh, like I said, I'm going to work my way into this story. I'm not going to reveal everything at once because I want to keep they you guessing. Wish? Doesn't everybody wish to be the Jameson whiskey? <laughs> well, maybe not if you're super religious and you don't agree with alcohol. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So the Jamesons consisted of Bobby Dale Jameson, age 44, and his wife, Sherilyn Leanne Jameson, age 40, and their daughter, Madison Stormy Star Jameson, age six. Okay. Are these race car drivers or horses? <laughs> it's just, it's, it's uh, Ricky, say- Ricky Bobby and his wife. Yeah. No, that yeah. last one was literally a horse. Okay. So, what was the last one? Madison Stormy Star Jameson. 
Stormy Star. Yes. Is that two? Is that one word? Two two words, but it's Madison with a Y, of course, because no one can ever spell anything <laughs> the right way. They have to be original. Madison with a Y, Stormy Star, two words, but it's her middle name, Jameson. Now, and then the other one was Leanne or something. Lee, uh, Sherilyn Leanne Jameson is the mom. Sherilyn Leanne and Bobby Dale Jameson Bobby is Dale the dad. Jameson. I thought, you know, when I was reading these names and I was like looking up these people, I was like, oh, Bobby Dale. And I was like, oh, well, Bobby's probably short for Robert. Nope, yeah. I was wrong. I looked up his legal name. His legal name is Bobby. Well, I was gonna say my experience in Oklahoma is that if you don't have, I don't want to use the word redneck, but this sounds like a pretty redneck, like. If they are into religion, then they why do not name your children Bible names? Okay, did you know why that name the, them after a horse? Right. Well, first of all, I okay, I got two points I want to make on this. So, first point: Do you ever find it ironic that rich, liberal, like out of touch Hollywood people in California um, name their children the same names that? super conservative redneck people name their children like like stormy like kylie jenner just named her daughter stormy oh yeah, and then right. this family's stormy named their daughter Star. stormy yeah yeah no i have like hipster friends in oklahoma that named their kid cash like johnny cash yeah and then i feel like that's like a very hollywood thing to name your kid exactly also, too. totally i know but it's just so ironic because it's like two opposite ends of the spectrum right yeah and then the second point i wanted to make i don't remember anymore so <laughs> we'll come back <laughs> Was it was it to scold me for calling people rednecks? Oh, no, but thank you. That's what it was about. <laughs> Did you know that the term redneck actually does not come from a conservative Christian um, stereotype? It actually comes from unionized minors that to recognize themselves, they would put a red bandana around their necks. And so they became known as rednecks. But unions, as we know, are, are like traditionally thought of as like Demo a democrat sort of thing and like a, a liberal thing socialist yeah yeah whatever you want to call it but yeah. yeah and so i just thought i just think that's funny because oh, now I we thought, use redneck to talk about like conservative it, mountain folk yeah i thought it was this is what i was taught is that it was is it's like people who are out like all day in the sun and then their so, neck gets sunburnt so that's redneck well that's but that, that sounds makes worse. sense too <laughs> like manual labor like you're laboring under the sun all day but i looked up the story and it's actually i don't know why i was reading about it but it's actually they had red bandanas now if these people look like what i think they look like like you know teeth are not orthodontist made and they've got like a wife beater on and their sun just perma sunburnt then i'm gonna have to say that my stereotypes are right <laughs> well let me show you a picture speaking of oh. that no, no no you stay there don't you worry about okay. anything today <laughs> oh yeah okay they're do you want to describe rednecks. what you're seeing i'm first sign of a redneck is um their wife is always hot for some reason right why is the wife always hotter than the husband i don't know redneck wives are hot they're like super good shape it's like in in my name is earl you know yes yeah yeah, yeah. she's like hot oh i love that show I yeah about that show she's super hot but she's like redneck right right she's, yeah like she's a rural yeah simple folk well they're okay so these two people i'm looking at they um look like a happy couple they're standing next to each other outside what looks like a lake the husband has the perma sunburn that i'm talking about it looks like maybe his ears are pierced and he also qualifies for having the non-orthodontist teeth too right it looks yes. like he might be agreed have missing some teeth or something M meanwhile is, the wife is hot yeah meanwhile the wife is hot yeah okay so what do you think here's their daughter here's stormy star madison stormy star and oh, her dog hi, madison stormy star now this is a very oklahoma photo people do this they take their kids and they make their kid hold a dog and then they stand oh. out in front of the woods behind their house and take a photo <laughs> 
right and usually they send it as part of like a christmas like oh, oh this yeah. is what our family is up to like madison stormy star and our dog Lu- lupita what, yeah. what's the, i don't know what the dog's Maisie. name is the dog's name is Maisie. of course it's Maisie. yeah yeah did uh, you ever watch Maisie mouse growing up it's not relevant to the story no okay it was just a children's show about have, a mouse i've had redneck friends that their dog's name is Maisie. Oh, okay um, but yeah, she looks very sweet. She looks really young. She's cute. She's, she's smiling. She's got cute little kid um, bangs on. She looks happy. The dog looks happy. This is a cute little family. Yeah, it's very wholesome. So yeah. this family lived in a two-story home in Eufaula, Oklahoma in 2009. I want to show you their house. So this is a pretty big house, right? Yeah, like no, this... I would say that's a very big house, especially for three people. I mean, that in California would be just ridiculous. For oh, three people that'd be like $900,000. And yeah. it's not even like, I mean, it's, it's a big house. And it's nice, but it's not. Yeah, you know, it's not worth a million dollars. No, not, um, nothing here is worth the amount people pay for it. And they, it looks like they've got two cars. So I would say they're they have you know they're they're doing well. They have a daughter. They've got a dog. They have a big house and two cars. It looks like maybe they're doing better. Maybe I can't call them rednecks anymore. <laughs> well, would you be surprised to know that Bobby and Sherilyn were both unemployed and living off of state disability following a car accident that occurred in November? November 8th, 2003? Absolutely not. I'm not not shocked at all to to honestly tell you the truth. Wait, that was 2003. Yeah, and now the story takes place in 2009. So this is six years living on government benefits. Oh, yeah. That's that's your typical redneck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just like pretends they don't like the government, but then lives off the government. lives off the government. Exactly. Of course, they have two cars and a big house out Mm -hmm. by a lake. Hypocrisy. Yeah. Okay. Scammers. Right? Scammers. Thank Mm -hmm. you. So much like my intro story of the woman who tried to steal my credit card (laughs) and buy a meth pipe, not a crack pipe, this family might also be scamming to some degree, right? Can we say that? Like, can we just like safely assume? No, they're scammers. Yeah, they're scammers. Okay. We we just confirmed scammers. Okay, scammers confirmed. So now I'm going to tell you what happened to this family. Well, yeah, I mean, actually, I guess... I just assumed that they're not actually disabled, but maybe you'll tell me that like they're disabled and have like horrible debilitating from this from this yeah i don't want to be insensitive okay you're right yeah so let's we'll remain open-minded until the story ends and then we can draw some conclusions yeah okay Okay. so i'm going to tell you what happened to the jameson family if you the listener right now are listening to this episode and you're like oh i'm going to pause this story because i've already know what happened to the jameson family let me slap you metaphorically in the face right now (laughs) and tell you that you are wrong you do not know everything that happened to the jameson family how do i know because i've listened to literally every single podcast I could get my hands on about this story. I've read every single article I could find about this story. And I actually, this episode for the first time ever, Natalia, did some fucking investigative journalist shit on this story. And I found... I found information that no article, that no podcast, that no police uh, have ever talked about publicly ever. I found... what what did you do? Okay, I... Well, okay, I'm going to tell you at the end. But I found so much information that I have never, ever, ever read anywhere else. What? I'm not surprised because this credit card story at the beginning just really painted you as like a Liam Neeson who just goes out and just figures it out. I don't know who you are. I don't know what what you bought at Pizza Chief, but (laughs) I will find you and I will take back the meth pipe and return it to the store. I'm I'm not surprised, but I guess much like this, you know, treasure guy that was like the expert on this treasure. Does this mean you're the expert on the Jameson family? Oh, I might be. Maybe people should call me uh, in for questioning. Yeah, I think you might 
be able to get on a TV show and as a, as like as an, expert, an expert witness, like they do on Ancient Aliens with the guy with the screwed up hair, yeah. and he's like always just babbling. I could be that person. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let's pitch me to someone. Let's get me an agent. Okay. So, <laughs> on October eighth, two thousand nine, Bobby and Sherilyn packed up the family truck and took the family dog Maisie and their daughter Madison Stormy Star on a car ride to go look at a forty acre plot of land in the mountains that they were considering buying. The exact location of this plot of land has never been released, but it is said to have been located approximately 30 miles away from Eufaula near Red Oak, Oklahoma. Apparently, the family decided that they wanted to live somewhere, and this is in quotes, isolated and far away from other people and had decided they would be transporting a red storage container located next to their house to this plot of land in the woods to live in. Hold on. They... A storage container, like like the fre- a freight storage container type yes. thing? Okay, so I'm so glad you brought that up. To people listening right now, depending on what part of the country or world you are from, maybe you're thinking of tiny homes right now because right now there's a tiny home craze. There's a show on HGTV where people buy shipping containers and they like fucking retrofit them and like... Make it eco-friendly. Yes, yes. And, like and they and, live off the grid and, and it's, it's got beautiful. It's like it's, way better than anywhere I've ever rented. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is not that situation. This is a situation where they literally had a rusty old storage container, like a freight container, steel container located on their property, just like accumulating dust and spiders and like had a bunch of junk in it. Yeah. And they want to take this, move it to an empty plot of land in the mountains and live inside this storage container. Thoughts? Uh, Meth. They're doing it. They're They're doing doing it. it. They're making it. They're selling it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, I, I guess what makes me believe that is because normally when people are like, oh, we want to move to the country, um, they don't say we want to go somewhere that's isolated where no oh, one's yeah. around. They, good point. they say good things point. like we want to get away from it all. We want to get closer to nature. We want to have peace and quiet. That sounds like they're up to something. OK. All right. So that's fair. That's a good assumption. So we'll stick with that for now. We'll table that idea. OK. okay. <laughs> so when the when um, the relatives of the Jameson family don't hear from them for a few days, they begin to worry and alert police to the possibility that they might be missing. On October 16th, 2009, eight days after the Jamesons packed up their truck, a local hunter discovers the family's white pickup abandoned on the side of a dirt road halfway up Panola Mountain. The road it was found on was in a remote location that is rarely traveled except by hunters. The doors to the truck were locked and Maisie, the family dog, was trapped inside. Was it dead? So she was malnourished and had been forced to eat her own excrement, but she survived. Oh, man, this this poor dog. Right. So let me show you some two more pictures. Dude, October in Oklahoma is so hot, too. Yes. Okay. right. So here is their car. Uh It's so it's like on a dirt road halfway up a cliff. It kind of looks like maybe they tried to pull off to the side of this dirt road, but then parked there, which is random. Yeah. I mean, or maybe it was really muddy or something and their car got stuck. I don't know. Okay, And then what do you think of this dog? Oh, yeah. No, this is the same dog from the picture of the little yeah, girl holding Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah, this oh, is Maisie. yeah. Wow, this dog. <laughs> this is so, such a funny picture of a dog. This is like, this dog won't even look in the camera. It's just like, <gasps> its ears are all the way down. It's just looking off into space. Like, if I ever see those motherfuckers again, I will bite them. Does this dog not look like it's being interviewed for, yeah, no, like, this dog looks the like presidency? So professional. Right. And just, like, there's no room for laughter or joy in his life. <laughs> like, if you threw a ball at that dog, it would just roll by like if yeah. you tried to offer this dog a treat like it, it would, would just look turn at you with disdain head. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Like this dog is just. This dog lived in a probably steaming hot car for, for multiple eight days. days. Yes. Eating, eating its, its own, own excrement. Shit. Yes. This poor little baby. I, I'm going to post this picture on the Instagram because this picture is so funny to me. It's okay. like a Shih Tzu Lapsa Opso mix. Yeah. Which is very funny it, to me because it's like. It's so cute. It's not oh. like a hard. That's not like a jailbird hard dog. That, no. Like, that you would think would survive that long. But... I know. Yeah, I just want to pet it. Like it just looks so funny to me. It's really sweet. Okay. So also inside the locked pickup truck, besides finding the family dog, police also find the family's coats, Bobby's wallet, Sherilyn's purse, both of their cell phones, a GPS, and digital cameras. The search effort that ensued after the Jameson truck was located will become one of the largest in Oklahoma state history. Over a thousand volunteers on foot, horseback, and ATVs, along with over 13 dog teams, airplanes, helicopters, and UAVs were deployed in search of the Jameson family. Wait, a thousand people? A thousand. Doesn't that town that's nearby only have like 2,300? Yeah, it has like 2,000. It has 2,800. Oh, yeah. But that's so Oklahoma. Like, we are just... For as much of paranoia and crazy stuff that we have, we're a community. Like, if you meet another Oklahoman, you, like, reach out to them and you're like, let me help you. Like, I I can totally see that being like, one of our kind is missing. Like, let's go get the ATVs. Like, let's get the horses. We're going to find it. We're going to find them and bring them back. Man, can you imagine if L.A. was like that? Well, no, I I can't. I First of all, I'm scared of everyone that I don't know. Yeah, you're right. And there, someone would come up to me and be like, my daughter's missing. Can you help me find her? And I'd be like, you're here to rape me. <laughs> I'm calling the cops. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's, yeah, it's sad. But, you know, it is what it, that's what you get for living in a big city. OK, so meanwhile, <laughs> back to the story. Meanwhile, police decide to conduct a thorough search of the truck. The bed of the truck was littered with large rocks, water bottles, empty cans of beer and Coke, There was also two inches of water, the plastic wrapping from a pack of water, and the cardboard box that Coca-Cola comes in. Inside the vehicle, they found a series of angry letters written by Sherilyn to Bobby, along with several empty containers of cigarettes and trash. So, wait... Why was there rocks and water in the tr- in the back of the truck? I don't know. The picture of it, I don't have it readily available on my computer, but I'll I'm going to post it on the Instagram. It literally it just looks so random. It looks yeah. like some somebody just like threw a bunch of like rocks and trash. Maybe they were landscaping. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe they're thinking like, "Oh, well, take But they're disabled. Back. Why would they be able to landscape? Are they disabled? Okay. Well, I don't if know. If they're disabled, I'm not going to continue to make fun of them. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let me keep going with the story. So, I can't believe you're focusing on the trash and not the angry letter. Oh. An 11-page well, angry letter from the wife to the husband. I just figured, like, redneck wife mad at her husband <laughs> makes sense. But I sure, go on. Okay, tell me. all right. So these notes have never been made public in their entirety, but I was able to find a small excerpt from the note that reads... So keep in mind, this is Sherilyn, the wife, mm-hmm. writing this letter to her husband that she fucking lives with. Why does she need yeah. to write him a letter? Okay, I would not wish my daughter to be raised in foster care because of you being in prison for attempted murder and her mother dead. Come on, what do you think of that? That's pretty fucking. I'm just, I'm deciphering it. I'm decoding okay. it. So okay, I would not wish my daughter to be. Mm-hmm. So she basically, if I'm going to paraphrase that, um, I don't want my daughter to end up in foster care because you're you attempted murder and I died. It sounds like she's saying. You tr- you 
Well, she's okay. It's it's confusing because on one hand, she's saying you're in jail for attempted murder, but then she's saying that she's dead. So is she mm. saying that she's going to kill herself and he's going to try to kill somebody else? And then the daughter gets put in foster care? Or is she saying, hey, I'm scared of you and I think you're going to try to kill me, but then why would she be dead if it's only attempted murder? But like maybe she's not that smart and she just meant murder. <sighs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we can read it so many different ways, especially because we don't have the full note i feel like if we had the full note maybe there would be some more context maybe she like locked herself in the car and was like putting that note up to the window so like writing the it. note furiously. yeah but then if he really wanted to get in he would just smash the window you know like if there right. was a domestic violence type thing happening right he she would just locked smash himself out yeah and the truck was not damaged at all when they found it and nobody's inside except the except the dog that poor dog no. that poor dog maybe we're had focusing to... on the wrong thing maybe this dog has done all of yeah. this this dog what if the dog wrote the letter and staged the scene and yeah. then wait that makes that picture so much more hilarious <laughs> of the dog the, <laughs> the dog being like interviewed <laughs> okay all right so um like i said while copies of this angry letter have not been released to the public as far as i know at least and i fucking researched this for like 23 hours straight Sherilyn also kept a journal and some pages of the journal have been released so i'm gonna read some of them to to you right now she would like to write so have you ever heard of steve quail no who is it so is it a quail no no so this is stevequail.com spelled s-t-e-v-e-q-u-a-y-l-e.com it is a website wait why is this relevant because she wrote it oh oh yeah i didn't even explain it so at the top of her journal entry there's a blank page and uh -huh. all it says on it is stevequail.com okay what does that mean so i went to stevequail.com it and exists the website still exists <gasps> So let me just show you some screenshots from his website. Oh, oh. Do you want to read um, some of that? Yeah, well, it says stevequail.com. With like lightning in the background? Yeah, with lightning, order precious metals, renaissance pre precious metals. You can't touch it. If you can't touch it, you don't own it. It's like, I don't want to put my money in a bank because then it belongs to someone else. Right. Or like people who lived through. This is like a super common belief with old people yeah. where they get, you know, the wool pulled over their eyes by those cash to gold people because right. they lived through, you know, the Great Depression. And so they remember when banks went under yeah. and you literally could not take your money out because it did it not didn't exist. exist. So yeah. people used to turn their money like money's only as valuable as, as gold. As, basically. Well, money's only as valuable, valuable as the government says it is right so if your government is doing really shitty and your economy is horrible well then inflation goes up mm -hmm. and now your money's worth nothing so yeah. the idea is that gold is transferable across around the world like right. it holds the same value no matter where you are so then old people will convert their cash into gold and then so yeah i'm so glad you picked up on that so this is talking a little bit about maybe um appealing to, to people who are paranoid right and then next uh, to mm -hmm. it, it says giants and ancient history and it has pictures of like gargoyles and stuff and then it says prepare yourself these are the advertisers that are i haven't even seen what the articles are but another advertiser says prepare yourself with night vision freeze-dried food water filtration yeah this is some super backwoods paranoid like the end is coming oh wait this says um legend true legends 2019 conference about aliens and it looks like uh there's like satellites talking to the aliens 
And then, oh, another advertiser says satellitephonestore.com. Don't be locked out when disaster strikes. Yeah, this is like an Armageddon site. That's right. basically like... It's like doomsday. The, yeah, Prepare. doomsday is coming. Don't trust the government. Like, be prepared. Have food. Have, you know, night vision goggles. This is how... Well, if they wanted to get off the grid, this is like the perfect website for them. Right. And so here's some of the articles that are featured on okay, the website. Do this, you want to just pick one out or two and read them? Yeah, this article says, biggest inflation in the history of history. <laughs> in the history of history. <laughs> is coming. Holler is warning of a failure to deliver metal because demand is outrunning supply. And then another article says, surviving the super grand solar minimum, a cooling sun. If we look at the ice core data, you will soon realize that the earth is an ice planet with a few short periods that don't last very long of global warming. Okay, another apocalyptic thing. Um, this says, how long until the purge begins with the communists fantasizing about executing Christians and one liberal doctor calling for conservatives to be killed, then castrated? Let's dis <laughs> let the left's disturbing intolerance towards half of America is a sign of the times. What? Wait, and then this says... The mega Cascadia earthquake is overdue and could strike the U.S. West Coast at any moment, creating a huge 30 meter high tsunami waves within seconds. Prepare for this apocalyptic event. Okay, so so far the articles are like the world is going to end because gold is not able to be delivered anymore or the world is going to end because there's going to be a communist revolution pretty much. Right. Yeah. Or it's like, the world is going to end because there's going to be a giant earthquake. It's like they've covered their bases. Whether oh, or not yeah. They're like, is it going to be? an earthquake is it god himself coming down is it aliens coming down yeah. is it you know an ice age is it you know, yeah is it like gold the economy crumbling under is it because right. liberals are gonna you know ruin the i mean stevequail.com is is actually super misleading it should be called like the world's gonna fucking end.com right exactly like yeah fucking listen to us because shit's going down.com yeah yeah Okay, so that is the first page of her journal. So we're already setting the tone <laughs> a little bit uh, on the paranoid side, might yeah. we say? How did she even find that website? I don't know. I, well, she wrote it down, which makes me think that someone had recommended it to her and she was writing it down so she could look at it later because otherwise, why would you write it down? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dude, God, the first step of going off the grid, bitch, is you don't write down. Yeah, don't leave evidence. Take your journal with you. Okay. <laughs> so, like we said, um, this family went missing on October 8th, 2009. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a journal entry here from Monday, October 5th, 2009. So, just three days before they went missing. Okay. okay. You ready to hear it? Yeah, yeah. God bless our day. We thank you for your love, grace, and mercy. You are truly an awesome God. God, we ask if the Holy Spirit will be with us today to guide our spirit and to be with Madison. We need confirmation today on our business transaction. Business transaction? Mm -hmm. Jesus. But they can't work. Right? Yeah, I knew it. They, I knew they were scammers. Jesus, nobody knows Madison like you. If Stidham is where she needs to be, I ask for favor with Mr. Banfield. Lord, we hand our lives into your hands. You know what is truly in our hearts and dreams. God and Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us with conformation. So you're probably confused because you're like, who the fuck is Mr. Banfield and yeah. what the fuck is Stidham? Okay, so um, I looked into it. Mr. Banfield is a superintendent of schools in the nearby city of Stidham, Oklahoma. Okay. So basically, this is an entry about, for some reason, um, the mom, Sherilyn, is praying to God about letting Madison change schools. Oh, actually, okay, so Oklahoma is, if I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it's the worst public schools in the nation. They actually 
uh, are trying to pass a bill right now that would make schools only four days a week. And oh, they wow. have like the worst testing scores in the United States. So to have a good school, because some of the public schools are like blue ribbon schools and you want to go there versus the one where, you know, it's like in Tonopah, Oklahoma, and like they can't even figure out where the gold is. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they pe- don't even have a standing rock submerged <laughs> in a lake. So people will constantly try to appeal to the schooling system to get like exempted and be able to go to school there and some people go to go to school in like the good school districts and some people even go so far as to like fake that they have residency in the in this district and will like provide fake uh like bills and stuff that have an address that says that they live in the school district oh crazy so maybe okay so that's some good insight because i had no opinion when i read this letter about anything involving the change of schools so from what you're saying maybe then what they're trying to do is change her to a better school i think that's a good hypothesis i think that's what they're doing especially if they live out and Lake Eufaula like I don't think any schools are out there that are any good that makes sense I mean when you have less than 3,000 people in your whole city like you maybe have one teacher for all grades yeah (laughs) okay so the thing that sticks out to me from this letter the most is um the business we need conformation today on our business transaction so I want to know What's their business. I know. So that's the thing is that if if at this point we're remaining open minded and they're yeah. not scammers and they're not working and they're disabled from this horrible car accident yeah. that was no fault of their own. OK, so what business transaction then? Right. Because moving schools is not a business transaction. Maybe she's talking about buying because they, they're trying to buy that land. Oh, so maybe that's be. the business. Transaction. Oh, you're right. OK, yeah. but wouldn't that be a residential transaction? She's not running a business from there. Oh, what if they were going to run a business from there? Mm, okay, yeah. wait, wait. Okay, before we get too deep, let me keep going. Okay. I really don't think that Bobby Lynn and Mackie Sue, whatever their <laughs> names are, are going to be that specific about... I don't think they're like working in HR and they're like, we have to specify this business okay, transaction. Yeah, all right. You know you're I mean? right. Okay. <laughs> Maybe to them, a business transaction is literally just praying to God about something and hoping it comes true. Like yeah. they're doing business with God. Yeah. Okay. All right. So next journal entry has one sentence and it says... Saturday Eve, memory lapse, and monkey business. Saturday Saturday Eve, Eve, memory lapse, and monkey business. So this is Sherilyn's journal. So she, we can assume she's talking about herself, that she had a memory lapse, or is she saying that Bobby, her husband, had a memory lapse? And then monkey business, so her daughter's playing, like... You see, see, when she's praying, she gets into real detail, right? Yeah, and then her personal notes... There's just like, oh, website. (laughs) Stevequail.com, find the gold. Yeah, Yeah, like she needs to work on the relationship she has with herself. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) Wow. Hire Natalia at www.nataliafortherapistoftheyear.com, buythegold.com. That, yeah, you yeah. Guys, you can Venmo me for advice. You can I, send us true. gold. What are you talking about? <laughs> send gold to the P.O. box. It never loses its value. Okay, so next journal entry. Wilderness hid in the mountains. For by grace, separation from the world, advent restoring the Sabbath. Wait, wait, wait. Say it again wilderness hid in the mountains wilderness hid in the mountains it's like okay so we're gonna hide in the mountain Mm -hmm. for by grace for god's grace will will what's the next thing there's a star and then it says separation from the world 
And then it says Advent restoring the Sabbath. This to me sounds like doomsday shit. It sounds like culty stuff. Yeah, this is like, okay. And then at the- Well, restoring, Advent restoring the Sabbath is like, the Sabbath in the Bible is this idea that you have one day a week um, where you- it's like God created the world and then he rested. So we're supposed right. to do that too. I think it's on the sixth day, right? Oh, so maybe she's talking about like, I'm upset that people aren't abiding by the Sabbath. So there's going to be an advent that will restore the Sabbath. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's like, oh, people are always, you're not supposed to work. You're not supposed to do business transactions. You're not supposed oh, to build anything. You're, you're just right. Supposed you're to not like, supposed to. Yeah. You're not supposed to drink. You're not supposed to party from sun up to sundown on the Sabbath. Okay. All right. So then at the bottom of this same page, she Uh has written down two Bible verses that I'm going to read to you now. So the first one is Isaiah 58, 12 through 13. Uh And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath from doing thy pleasure on thy holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Okay, second one, Revelations 14, 12. Oh, Revelations is doomsday. Mm -hmm, Doomsday shit. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. That's all? Yeah, that's all it says. So it's about like this, the saints coming yeah. down and so the, and making sure people follow the commandments of so god she wrote like hey, we're gonna hide in the wilderness basically um and reinvent the sabbath and then beneath that the first bible verse to me is describing what the sabbath is it's like oh if you on this day don't speak your only own words you only speak god's words you do you don't do things for your own right. pleasure like mm-hmm. business or yeah build insta- a party. instead you of do god's work yeah and appreciate and be with your family and then the second one is saying like the saints uphold the commandments the commandments yeah. yeah and so if she believes that the having the sabbath is this commandment then maybe like going and living isolated inside of this little getting away from the world away from man who doesn't who only works and and tries to i don't know like better themselves and is away from god maybe going into this wilderness and hiding from that will spare them from like doomsday yeah well i mean even who was that author oh my god people are gonna roast me in the comments that author that wrote that book walden which one went into the forest and he like wrote all of these like poems about returning to nature and he's like i went into the woods to find roast me in the comments if i'm wrong but yeah and you get you guys know what i'm fucking talking about there's this famous author he went into the woods in the u.s and he like himself yeah to find himself like i wrote all yeah go into the woods to lose myself and i get lost in the woods and i find myself right yeah basically you have to get lost to get found yeah okay and if people always quote it on pinterest there's like foggy mountain in the background yes like totally text type over that's like one follows himself in the woods and finds himself whatever it is you must become lost in order to eat your own excrement in the car (laughs) and find yourself Maisie it's a quote that i'm sure one of you guys has tattooed on your wrist oh for sure (laughs) so Now I'm going to read you the next uh, journal entry. Mm -hmm. My Indian granny lived in a shack on the side of a river with dirt floors. I was a baby. And then at the bottom, (laughs) I'm not trying to be disrespectful. At the bottom, there's like a bunch of scribbles. And then it says, it looks like it says, Gaga goo. Gaga Wait, that's so creepy. Yeah. Wait, this looks like weird. It looks like 
almost like she lost control of her hand. Right. Yes. Like she says like G G G and then it's like losing control of her hand. And then it says that one might be a B. It's like, Oh, Oh B. Oh, 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 Oh. And then it ends with like a UK or something. It's almost like she fainted or something as she's doing it. Or like went into a trance like state or something. And she just started drawing circles over and over. Gaga gook. My Indian grandma lived in a shack. On the side of a river river. with dirt floors. With dirt floors. I I was was a baby. baby. So very cryptic, right? Well, we all were babies. You're not that special. Right? Yeah. (laughs) We've all been babies before. Who do you think you are? So something interesting from this letter is she says, my Indian granny. So Mm -hmm. something I haven't told you yet is that Sherilyn is actually part Native American. Now, is this an Elizabeth Warren situation where she's one two thousandth Native American? Or is this a situation where she's like a quarter Native American? I don't know. She's- people in Oklahoma are really proud of their Native American heritage. Right. And people are always like, yeah, I can. I'm if you're eight percent, then you can collect from you can go I've heard collect that. from the government. Yeah. yeah. You get like the state funded whatever, like the I don't know what it is. It's like the we fucked up tax. Yeah. Basically. It's like, I'm sorry that we tried to commit mass genocide with smallpox blankets. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. we gave you Oklahoma. And, and then, then we, we moved you onto a reservation and like the trail of tears happened and like, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. People are really proud of that heritage though. So I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we don't sh- know what percentage is the point, but supposedly she is part Native American and we can see here that she's claiming it too. Okay. So let me, let's keep going with this. So, right. So we've just talked about the stuff that they found in the abandoned vehicle, right? One of those things was this journal that I just read you some entries from. And the dog. Yeah. Yes. And the dog and like all GPS the trash and, and GPS and phones. Cigarettes. Yes. Okay. So now we're going to talk about more things that were found inside the truck. So like I said, they found both their cell phones. Bobby's phone was a BlackBerry phone. Now, as we know, they went missing on October 8th. Something interesting is that the last call to have been made from Bobby's cell phone was on October 12th, four days after the Jamesons left their home. Mm. The phone had been used to make a call to Bobby's voicemail just one time. To check his messages? To check his voicemail. So some people think, you know, Maisie was trapped in the car. He had a Blackberry. I don't know if you ever had a Blackberry. I had a Blackberry in actually the same year. Yeah, in 2009, I I had had a Blackberry. Pearl. It was awesome. Yeah. Had a rolling ball. Yeah. There. Right. And then the ball falls out and you can't do shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So I had it and mine was red. I remember you could ping people. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was cool. Yeah. It was, it was definitely, cool. definitely Blackberry had its like moment. time. Yeah. And then the moment's over and we're, we were all onto iPhones and Androids. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, some people think because, you know, that phone did not have really a way to lock it. Um, that maybe Maisie, while she was walking around the car trying to get out, she stepped on the phone and accidentally dialed the voicemail one time. All right. As a person who has a dog, never once has anything like that happened. Never once has Archer used your phone to call someone? Archer has never checked my messages once. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Winnie or Littlefoot have ever done that to me either. But, you know, it's possible. If If you're a dog and you're struggling to get out of a car, maybe you're jumping around. My thing, though, is so the dog calls the voicemail and then hangs up. Like, so he has to step on it twice or maybe yeah. she has to step on it twice. I don't know. Do Does we know if they were able to hear the messages? Because if it was a person, then that kind of makes us think that maybe this business transaction is that in person they were waiting for someone for four days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
or somebody else. We don't know that the dog was locked in there for four days. The dog could have been with them. Oh, right. Okay. They could have come back at this four days and checked the messages and then put the dog in the car. That's true. Or put all their cell phones. So they're just like camping for four days and then put all their shit in their car and then yeah, they could have like if we want to keep an open mind, they could have had all their shit with them for the first four days. Okay. All right. Okay. So we'll keep an open mind with that. So. The police go through the phone and not only do they see that there was... So in those four days, there's only one call made and it's to Bobby's voicemail. Mm. Okay. So not only is there this one mystery call, but they also find what seems to be the last picture ever taken of Madison Stormy Star. She is pictured in front of a large boulder in the middle of a forest with her arms crossed in front of her chest. So I'm going to show you this photo. Do you want to describe what you're seeing? Oh, she's pissed. Yeah, she doesn't look happy, yeah, right? Yeah, she's... The first photo we saw, she's smiling. She's happy. This photo, her hair's not all unkempt. She doesn't have it up in a ponytail. Looks like she's wearing pajamas. Yeah, totally. Um, it, yeah, it, she's clutching herself. She's all red like she's been crying. She's literally making like a crying face. She, I don't know how um, recent the picture was that you showed me before, but in this time, she's lost two teeth. Her front teeth are out, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, when you're young, you're losing teeth. So it could have just been natural. But that's the difference that I see between the first photo and the second photo is she's literally crying in this photo. Right. So it doesn't look like a positive. Like when you look at this picture of that. Right. Okay. So looking at this photo, I don't feel good about the photo. Right. Like I don't feel like, oh, this is something that I would frame or print off or like put on a Christmas card. Right. You had said the previous one of her with the dog in front of a forest it's like it's christmas card material material, right this is not christmas (laughs) card material this is like ransom material yeah this is wait a second maybe when she said we hid in the forest she was they've hid gold in the forest and this rock is where that gold is hidden under (gasps) maybe they took a picture of it to like oh my i never that had never even occurred to me that could be possible what maybe we need to go find this boulder okay all right (laughs) so we have the photo Yes. Okay. So speaking of gold, it's very interesting that you just said something about gold. Let me tell you what else they found in the car. Gold? So also in the truck were several empty prescription pill bottles and $32,000 in cash inside a Ziploc bag that was inside a bank bag that was buried underneath some of Bobby's tools that were underneath his driver's seat. Think of all those steps, like yeah. 32000 in cash. That is a large That's sum. A I have never seen $32,000 in person in my life. I don't, I've never seen 32000 not in person in, in my life. Okay, so 32000 in cash placed into a Ziploc bag to keep it from getting wet. Yeah. Place inside a bank bag. What the fuck is a bank bag? Um, a bank bag is like when you go to the bank and you have a bunch of cash. My, my mom has a cash business, so she has to take the cash to the bank to deposit oh, it into like her business account. Oh, it's like that zippered pouch Yes, thing? the zippered pouch. Oh, yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Inside that. Inside that. In a toolbox under his seat. Yes. I wonder if they had this doomsday thing about gold and all of that, and she's like, we hit it. What if they... And the only reason I'm stuck on this gold thing is because we started at the beginning of yeah, the yeah, gold yeah. thing. Um, what if they went in terms of living off the grid? They're like, okay, well, we don't want to put our money into a bank. Let, what if we are... The business transaction is that they're buying gold from somebody, and so they like oh, have been waiting for that person to, to call show them. up. Yeah, and they're waiting there and waiting there. And oh, that's interesting. His messages. Well, and also, even if they're not trying to buy gold, like maybe maybe we're taking gold too literally, and it just means cash. Mm-hmm. Like to have cash 
that amount of cash demonstrates to me that you are not putting that into a bank. Right. right? You're, you don't want to pay tax. Well, they're going to lose their disability. Exactly. So let's table that for a second and let's keep talking about this. So the police observed that there was no evidence of a struggle within the truck and no evidence of a struggle outside the truck either. So that means no blood, no clumps of hair, no like nails, yeah. no like skin, you know, nothing. Police decide to examine the GPS device next. So remember, they had found a GPS device yeah. inside the truck. And so, this is the time before people had phones that tell you yes. how to get places. So people would use GPS is the same way that we use a GPS in our phone. Exactly. In 2009, I had a BlackBerry and I had a GPS, external yeah. GPS unit for my truck because I got, I got lost so easily all the time. Okay. After dumping the data from the unit, police were able to determine that the family had actually been further up a nearby hill prior to parking in the spot their truck would eventually be found. They also determined that the area that they had traveled to up the nearby hill was the same location they had taken the photo of Madison. I know they hid something up there. Okay. So... Also, and so then investigators are like, well, shit, we got to go to this location. Like, we got to see what's up here, right? So they go, they compare it to the photo of Madison. They find the rock. They determine that that is the location that she, the picture was taken in front of. And they also find sets of footprints, but it's unclear exactly how many number of footprints they can find. So we don't know if it was just Bobby and Madison, for example, or if it was just Sherilyn and Madison, or if it was all three of them, or if there was somebody else with them. We don't know. Right. Because now this is like... But it's confirmed that somebody was up there. Right. They can see footprints and they confirm from the photo taken on the cell phone that it's the same location. Okay. Okay. So there was people up there. There's people there. up there. Yeah. Yeah. Back at the Jameson residence, police officers discovered that the Jamesons had a home security system set up with two cameras facing the front of their house and driveway. And would you like to see the footage that the police found? Yes. So that was the footage from wait, the security system. Wait, wait, wait. What are they doing? Okay, so as, okay, like, hold on. All the okay, there's their truck is here. It's all the doors are open. Yes, and there's it's the white truck, the same white truck. All, yeah, it's a four door. All the doors are wide open. And, and what do you see them doing? They're like fluttering around. It. They're like walking to it. They're wa they're getting in it. They're getting out of it. What exactly. are they doing? Okay, so according to police, the home security footage shows Bobby and Sherilyn making somewhere between thirty to forty trips from the house to the truck carrying small items. Small items, gold. <laughs> well, well, hold on. Some of the items are placed inside the truck, then picked back up and taken back inside the house. Wait, so they put something in there and then they take it out? The exact same item. They'll take it out and put it back in the house. Through the hours of footage, both Bobby and Sherilyn appear to have changed clothes several times only to change back into their original clothes. During the entirety of the footage, none of the Jamesons look at each other or acknowledge each other in any way. They seem to be in a trance-like state and completely silent. So now look at the footage again and tell me what you see, knowing the, knowing this commentary from the police. With the little girls doing it too? Yes. Okay, so she's walking back and forth from the house to the car. And look, none of them are talking to each other. Why are they changing? I don't know what I'm seeing. Why are they, <laughs> why are they change clothes? Yeah, they're changing clothes. They're are acting they completely irrationally, right? Yeah. Or well, the fact that they're going through all of this, it means it has to be for a purpose, right? Like if right. they really are these doomsday people, I wonder if they're thinking like, oh, like we've got a trick 
someone's watching us and we don't want them to know oh like throw someone off our trail right yeah like we don't want them to know how much gold we have (laughs) you're just stuck on gold okay cash we don't want people to know how much cash we have we don't want people to know what we're doing right okay so the cops are also super fucking confused by this they're like what the fuck are we looking at why they change clothes it doesn't make sense yeah and so they call a psychologist to come in and analyze the footage so the psychologist takes one look at the footage and immediately turns to the sheriff whose name is sheriff beecham Mm -hmm. and she just goes drugs this is drugs and it's meth oh so but would the baby be doing meth too no that wouldn't make any sense yeah i don't think a six-year-old i feel like i've heard horror stories of like children babies getting into you know drug stashes at drug houses and dying immediately so i don't think that the daughter would have been on drugs well if we're gonna keep an open mind and the two parents were on drugs maybe she's just like well mom and dad are doing this yeah so so monkey see monkey do Okay, so the search for the Jamesons lasted for nine months, combing through miles of terrain surrounding where their vehicle was found, but the Jamesons remained missing. Okay, so a thousand people, Mm. horseback, ATV, helicopter, airplane, UAV, for nine fucking months. I've heard so many stories of missing people where it's like, oh, the cops told us we couldn't start the search for 72 hours. And Mm. then they sent out a group of 50 people. This is not that. No, this is not that. This is like no, no technology was spared. I bet they're going to find them in the lake. Okay, so... Four years after the Jamesons went missing on November 16th, 2013. The gold was found. <laughs> Shut the fuck up about the gold, Natalia. <laughs> well, if it's still out there. Then yeah, you're right. It's still out there. It. Yeah, okay. Hunters out looking for deer stumbled across three human skulls. The skulls were found approximately 2.7 miles away from the Jamesons' truck. The hunters immediately called the authorities who conducted a search that yielded a pair of shoes, clothing fragments, adult human teeth, two adult skulls, an adult arm and leg bone, one child skull, and bone fragments that had been scattered around the surrounding area by scavenging animals. The three skulls were located face down in the dirt, side by side. Eventually, the bones would be confirmed as those of the Jameson family. The medical examiner stated on his official autopsy report that the deaths occurred under suspicious circumstances and the cause of death was undetermined. So first thing of note for me in this report is they found the bodies 2.7 miles away from the truck. That's not that far. You think if you have a thousand people searching miles and miles of radius around the car, how were they not found? Did they Were they able to tell how long the bodies had been dead? So they were completely decomposed. So they can't tell exactly when. Right. Yeah. But the medical examiner did say that he thinks they all died around the same time. Okay. Yeah. Now, the only other thing the medical examiner could say, obviously, like, there's all these marks on the bones from, like, predators picking away at the flesh over yeah, time. and like picking up the bones and putting them other places. Now, one thing of interest that he could say about the bones that did not appear to be caused by an animal was a hole in Bobby Jameson's head, which to me, I immediately think gun. But he said that he could not rule in or out the possibility of a gun wound. All he could say was that there was a hole in the skull. I mean, it could be a knife. It could be a rock. Or someone hit him on the head, like blood force trauma. Like you just never know. Yeah, if there's hunters out there. Right. So I'm going to show you a map. Wait this, a second. The Jameson truck. And then there's this little roundabout path leading yeah. up to where their bodies were. But there's a path that goes to their bodies? So in a roundabout way, everything I could read, like, obviously I haven't been there myself, but I read a couple of articles that said that 
they should have easily been able to find their truck from where they were. Yeah. I think it's interesting that the body was found 2.7 miles away from this truck when we heard that the ancient gold bearing technique could be between 100 meters and three miles. (laughs) I'm about to punch you in the face. (laughs) I need to find this gold. There is no gold, Natalia. Okay. Why do you think there's no gold? Okay. You're right. I guess I don't know that. Okay. So now that I've told you. Why would you tell me that first thing about the gold? (laughs) There's no gold. Well, you're right. Maybe there is gold. I don't know. Okay. There's certainly cash, right? There's 32,000 at least. Yeah. That they just found in a car. So now that we've talked about what happened what we know happened now i want to get into the theories because we know here's what we know they left in a car to go look at a plot of land they never came back four Mm -hmm. years later their bodies are found face down in a row 2.7 miles away from where their car was parked the entire time and the inside the car yeah we know that we found the dog angry letter angry letter all their stuff journal bunch of fucking trash yeah cash so here's the theories Here's the simplest normie theory that I do not believe. (laughs) The family went on a hike with their daughter, got lost in the woods, and died of exposure. No. No. The the Oklahomans don't do that. Right. First of all, we're talking about mountain folk. Like, these folks are very familiar with the wilderness. They've clearly been preparing as they've been on Steve Quayle's website. They have, like, night vision goggles. (laughs) Yeah. They've got, like, they should be prepared for this, right? Also, they went to go look at a plot of land, but... Uh, presumably they would have met a real estate agent there because they're considering buying it. They're not just going to go out like they're not going to go wander around. And also, if they were on a hike, why would they have left their cell phones and GPS and maps inside the car? Well, if this was like a real backwoods thing, it could literally just be like, hey, $32,000 cash for this like acreage out here. Yeah, but you be. said it was 40 acres or something. 40 acres. Yeah. I mean, that would be really, really cheap, but I could see that happening mm-hmm. in, in somewhere like in the panhandle or in the mountains, people selling acreage really cheap like that Mm -hmm. because it's like unlivable and also um so why do you we agree that this is not no i don't think that's what happened why would you go on a hike around an area you're looking to buy like the whole purpose of going out there is to see if you want to buy it or not and if you were going it doesn't make sense that they have the whole phone the picture and the phone right and then they left their gps and their maps inside to go on a hike and their dog like why wouldn't you take your dog on the hike yeah yeah it doesn't seem right i mean i even if you're like a shitty pet owner if you're going on a hike and you bring your dog with you, you don't want to leave the dog in the car because the dog's going to go to the bathroom in the car. Mm-hmm. Like even if the shittiest of pet owners wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Okay. So also it's not likely they died of exposure because also like. also carries $32,000 Just to, go on, to go on a hike. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So also like you, you had mentioned earlier in October, it's still really hot yeah. in Oklahoma and it was actually in the eighties, the yeah. week that they went missing. So it's not like it was snowing and they would have gotten frostbite and succumbed to their wounds. Mm-hmm. And also it hadn't even really rained that week. There were some reports showing that it had drizzled, but not, not like anything that would have caused like a flood or a landslide or something yeah. that would have caused them to, you know, succumb to the elements. Um, additionally, the photo of their daughter in the woods doesn't show any rain. It's in fact, it's sunny Mm -hmm. and the coldest it ever got that entire month was 40 degrees Mm. so that yeah that would like make you uncomfortable like i wouldn't want to chill there but it's not it's not necessarily going to kill you especially in such a short period of time okay second theory it's another normie theory but we're getting a little more interesting okay daughter ran off 
So some people think that Madison Stormy Star was throwing a fit in the car and her parents pulled off to the side of the road to console her when she got out and went running away. This might explain why they, they left their belongings in the car. However, how far could Madison have realistically run before being caught? Remember, she's six years old. Mm-hmm. So do you really think she could have run 2.7 miles and then the family would have just gotten lost out? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, that doesn't really make sense. Well, it still doesn't explain what they were doing for four days. Yes. Because yeah. we know that he had that phone that checked his phone right and if we don't think the dog made the call and we think he made the call then you know so she ran away for four days and then they somehow found her and died all together in a row face down like that doesn't make sense okay now we're gonna get into so we're progressively getting into more and more interesting theories yeah murdered okay so here's the first murdered theory that's a little normie did they trespass on someone's land and the rancher shot them (laughs) okay I read this and I literally laughed out loud because every single article I read, this who's isn't gonna shoot a girl, like well, a little girl. First of all, who's going to shoot a six-year-old? Second yeah. of all, there are no. This is not a ranch area. This is mm-hmm. literally plots of land that are being developed, and they were going out to buy one of those plots of land. So this is not an an area where you would have to worry about like trespassing. yeah or trespassing. And if there's hunters that go through there, all exactly, the time, people would be used to that. And those are the only people that have ever gone up there in that area are hunters, which is why their car was found by hunters, their remains were found by hunters because this is a really popular hunting area for deer. Um, but it's also really secluded. So you're not going to just like go up there for shits and giggles. You're going up there with a purpose. Yeah. To hunt or to buy that land. Okay. Or bury your gold. <laughs> or bury your gold. Okay. So murdered. Next theory. White supremacist theory. Oh. Okay. Wait, white supremacists came up with this theory? <laughs> this is about white supremacists murdering the okay. Jameson family. So this is a, this is a regular person's theory that yes. white supremacists murdered. Right. Okay. okay. So reasons for this theory. Um, Sherilyn's best friend's name was Nikki. And Nikki had launched a campaign to find out what happened to the Jamesons. She was contacted by an anonymous woman who made terrifying claims. The tipster told Nikki that she had been involved with a group called the United White Knights and that Bobby and Sherilyn were on their hit list. At first, Nikki was impressed by corroborating evidence but later dismissed the claim. Yet, she has not completely ruled out that other groups or cults who exploit the isolation of the mountains could be to blame. She said, I went up to those mountains about a year later and near where the bodies were found, there was a line of cars parked with texas license plates when we got near the actual spot there were a couple of gunshots they sounded like warning shots to me i don't scare easily but that place really freaks me out there's something not right about it so this white soup before we get into her you know she's talking about a lot of things here right she's talking about like colds and like okay but before we get into that um this white supremacist gang i want to talk about it for a second so it's Wait a second. White supremacist gang. Yes. They're on their hit list. And if these people are always carrying a bunch of cash on them and drugs, meth, may, and maybe these people are like a rival, like the money that they're making from their meth or whatever is like rivaling this white supremacist gang. You know, right. And they, they both have like biker gangs sometimes will like sell drugs or whatever, have like prostitution rings, things like that. Like they're doing illegal stuff to make money. Right. I wonder if they were on the hit list because of that, like they were doing drugs. So we're so you're combining a couple of theories right now, right? Because the first theory is that they are selling meth. Yeah. And then the second theory would be that they were on a hit list for the White Knights. Yes. Okay. So the United White Knights, 
actually do exist. Um, and they were responsible for the deaths of many civil rights leaders in the 1960s in Mississippi. And there was actually a movie b made loosely based on this, you know, white supremacy gang. And, you know, this might seem like super fucking random, but something that actually sort of backs that up is that a few months prior to the Jamesons going missing, Sherilyn Jameson had actually made a quote unquote friend. That's like the most information I can find on this person. She had made a male friend who was living, renting a room from the Jameson family. Now, apparently this person was in a white supremacist gang. Wait, he was renting a room in that house? Yes. The picture you showed me? Yeah, he was renting a room from that house, that two-story house I showed you. And he was living there for um, maybe like a month maximum. These people are such scammers. They're living off of disability in right. this house that's paid for. And then they rent out a room to someone else. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I, I agree with you. But if we're keeping an open mind still at this point, they're very disabled in a horrible car accident. And now they're renting a room to a white supremacist. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, maybe they didn't know he was a white supremacist. So this white supremacist guy is living there. Sherilyn somehow lets him know or lets slip or he finds out that she's actually part Native American and he ends up threatening her. And then Sherilyn takes her gun that she had registered to her legally and she threatens him with the gun and forces him to leave at gunpoint. Mm, and then that's why there's the hit out on mm, them. Could be or because she's Native American the hit could be out or because you said they have all this cash. Where's this cash coming from? Which we're going to talk about some of those theories in a little and bit. And maybe that's why they wanted to get off the grid is because they were hiding maybe they scared. were hiding yeah that could be it too okay so now there's the allegation of a cult or gang like a religious cult yeah okay Sherilyn's mother connie says that she believes the jamesons were murdered by a religious cult located in southeast oklahoma yeah i mean who else would you find out about stevequail.com yeah besides yeah. a crazy apocalyptic religious cult yes totally so oklahoma has indeed been home to several religious cults yes masquerading as sex of christianity in 2011 less than two years after the Jamesons went missing, a woman named Olga Vesta Button came forward in her 90s. So she's like literally in her 90s about a religious cult in Southeast Oklahoma that had kidnapped her as a teenager and forced her to marry one of its leaders. She eventually escaped to Oklahoma City and wrote a series of articles about her experience in the unnamed cult. There's also an entire city in Oklahoma that's said to be a cult community. What's it? What? Which one? Okay, so the city is called Elohim City and has been linked to notorious murderers and the KKK. What? Wait, well, let me see. The, maybe you're saying this wrong. Elohim? Oh, no. Elohim? Elohim. Elohim? Yeah, that's how they would say it there. Elohim. Elohim? Okay, so let me tell you about Elohim City. Nestled in the Ozarks at the end of a six-mile gravel and red dirt road in eastern Oklahoma, about 35 miles northwest of Fort Smith, Arkansas, the wooded property is still dotted with homes and outbuildings, and the dome-shaped white polyurethane and stone structure that was once used for daily worship is still standing. Most of the 100 or so residents are descendants of Robert Miller, who moved to the area in 1973 and chose the name because Elohim is Hebrew for God. Yeah. But during the 1990s, the secluded 400-acre enclave was also a stop-off point on what some called an underground railroad for extremists in the white supremacist movement. I 100% believe that because I've been to Fort Smith, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. I went there when I was in high school. I just wanted to go on like an impromptu road trip and me and my boyfriend at the time went and my boyfriend was like blonde hair, blue eyed, but I in high school, you guys have seen pictures of me, was very, very tan. Yeah. I had a horse. I spent a lot of time outdoors and the looks that we got from people there. Oh, really? were just so much and we stayed at a bed and breakfast there and this is like the ozarks are like 
people were sitting out on their porch and like playing spoons. Do you know what that is? Where yeah. you like bang spoons mm-hmm. on your And you have thighs. to flip them, right? It's it's music. Oh, They're the like music. mountain mountain music. Oh, and I'm like, thinking of the game spoons where you no. have to slap spoons and they flip. No, I'm no. sure they do that too though. But my point is is that it's a culture that is kind of so like like that doesn't happen anywhere else in the world where you're just out with your family playing the banjo and playing right it's very stereotypical yeah it sounds exactly. like right yeah okay. and we were in this creepy airbnb that had all these dolls on the wall and stuff and oh, i was that. just like fuck this we ended up getting up in the middle of the night and leaving and just thought it was like so scary and weird and secluded and creepy yeah that sounds fucking terrifying yeah so this sound that sounds a lot like lom this yeah. this Uh, cult city this community so numerous former short-term residents or visitors either are now in prison or have served time for committing violent violent acts ranging from bank robberies to murder the community's connections to extremists have been extensive oklahoma city bomber mcveigh called there two weeks before the oklahoma city attack some later speculated he was looking for a place to hide out after the bombing so this is the guy that did the oklahoma city bombing yes the bombing occurred on the same day as the execution of richard wayne snell an arkansas white supremacist who in 1983 killed a pawnbroker who he mistakenly thought was jewish and a black arkansas state trooper in 1984 robert miller was snell's spiritual advisor after witnessing the execution he and john miller brought snell's body back to LOM City late that night. Snell is buried in a clearing in the dense woods on the property, and when Robert Miller died in 2001, he was buried near Snell. What the hell? So I know all about the Timothy McVeigh, like the Murrah building bombing, but I had never heard that before. This is fucking creepy, right? And it keeps going. I'm going to read you a couple more. So Dennis Mahone, a former Northmore, Missouri resident and Imperial Dragon of the White Knights of the Ku Klux Ku Klux Klan visited LOM City from 1992 to 1995 and kept an Airstream trailer parked there. A one-time suspect in the Oklahoma City bombing, Mahone is now serving 40 years in prison for mailing a pipe bomb in 2004 to a diversity office in Arizona. Okay, here's another one. I know, right? Two weeks after the Oklahoma City bombing, James Ellison, the former leader of the Covenant, the Sword and the Arm of the Lord, a white supremacist paramilitary encampment near the Missouri-Arkansas border, raided by federal authorities in 1985, settled in Elohim City after serving several years in prison for weapons offenses and racketeering. Now in his mid-70s, Ellison has been living in Elohim City for two decades. Six men who call themselves the Aryan Republic Army were indicted in 1996 on charges of robbing 22 two banks in the Midwest, including one in Kansas City and one in Overland Park. Four of the six men had either stayed at or had ties to LOM City. White supremacist brothers Chevy and Shane Kehoe, who were involved in a shootout with Ohio State troopers in 1997, also had visited LOM City. Chevy Kehoe was later convicted of the 1996 torture slayings of an Arkansas gun dealer and his family. How is this place allowed? Okay, so is this place close to where they were found? Yes, so it's in southeast um, Oklahoma. And so I'm basically showing you that it might sound far-fetched to say, oh, the KKK was involved or, oh, you know, a religious cult was involved. But, like, actually there are religious cults and, like, there and they're all about living off the grid getting away from the government don't trust anybody the end is coming doomsday and they all have these ideas of like oh like our purity purity and yes totally so it's totally possible so that so that that thing i just read you is from is an article from flatlandkc.org okay now let's talk about the next theory of what happened and that is a drug gang theory so 
The remote Sandboys Mountains, which is where their car was found, the remote Sandboys Mountain Range has a reputation for being a haven for meth labs where criminals cooked up the drug miles from prying eyes. Starlet 67 said, there are a lot of them up there. It is well known. Maybe they stumbled across one of them when they were out there and someone came after them. Connie added, I don't know all the details, but I can tell you Bobby had recently gone to police to report someone in the local area for running a meth lab. Obviously, that person is going to be very upset. Well, that could combine my theory. So, like, if they have this compete, if he, if he says, "Oh, this person has this meth lab," and that drug meth lab gang, whatever, is one of those white supremacist groups, right? Then yeah, they can come after them. Well, and also, so this area that they were looking to buy a plot of land in, the the sheriff, Sheriff Beecham, who's kind of hot, he said, <laughs> he had said in an interview I watched of him, which is weird that like he's admitting this. He's like, oh, yeah, people up in that area and those mountains, um, you know, they're known to set up mobile meth labs and cook meth up there. That's like breaking bad right so maybe maybe the family either had reported someone that was running a meth lab up there and for some reason was lured out there like maybe the person pretended to be a real estate agent was like oh you should come look at this wilderness thing that i'm selling like this tract of land that i'm selling off and then murdered them Mm. or maybe like like you said maybe the jamesons were selling meth and they had a competing meth lab and that would explain why they wanted to live in a storage container maybe that was going to be their meth lab yeah um or maybe they just were genuinely going up there to look at some land to buy and ran into someone that was cooking meth like a breaking bad situation yeah this family's definitely haunted they're very haunted so i'm so glad you said that they're haunted because the next theory of what happened to them involves the devil possession ghosts and spirits okay okay sign me up okay what's going on so (laughs) the jamesons wholeheartedly believed that their house was haunted what (laughs) Gary Brandon, the family's pastor, told authorities that just prior to the family's disappearance, Bobby had confessed that he was reading a, quote, satanic Bible and felt that he had become transfixed by it and could not stop reading it. Further backing this allegation up, a, quote, witch Bible was found in the Jameson family home. Hold on a second. Satanic Bible is a real page turner? Apparently, he's saying that he couldn't put it down. He was reading the Satanic Bible. And and he's just like, this is too interesting. Right. This is so well written. Right. Satanism. Oh, I'm on board. Yeah. (laughs) This is what I've been searching for my whole life. He's like trying to convert the priest. He's like, hey, look, I was like you. I've been doing this thing the whole time. Turns out my house is haunted. (laughs) And now I like the devil. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, but what's interesting about this is we don't know, like, did he say satanic Bible, but he meant the witch Bible that was found in the house? What's a witch Bible? So apparently the difference is that the satanic Bible, if that's the one he's referring to, was written by this guy in the 70s. And it's more of like a self-help book about like, you don't need oh. God to feel good about yourself. Like, here's things you can do to like take control of your life. Oh. Um, and uh, Yeah, oh, move your family to the woods and right? carry yeah. all your cash and with you. Get and get gold. And-, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then a witch's Bible is supposedly more about like, the one that they found, at least, was about how to put hexes on people, how to do spells, oh, it's like how to grimoire. cleanse your house. Yes. Yeah. How to cleanse your house of bad spirits and bad energy, but then also how to, like, 
then make bad energy come back to you because mm-hmm. how to hex people and like right, put curses exactly. on people. Yeah. So that's apparently what they found in the house. So we don't know if he's talking about two different books or the same book. Okay. And then remember how I was telling you about they wanted to buy this plot of land yeah. and put the storage container on it to live off the grid. Where Well, the storage container was being stored on their property next to their house in Eufaula. And when the police went to go check it out, they saw that uh, spray painted in Sherilyn's handwriting, she had written the following message on the side of the container in black spray paint. Three cats killed to date by people in this area. Witches don't like their black cats killed. Wait. Three cats killed to date in this area. Three points of an equilateral triangle. <gasps> where the gold is Where hidden. the gold is buried. <laughs> okay, okay, no. Seriously. But seriously. Why, no, why? Okay. That's creepy. Right, why it's fucking creepy. That? So then the police are what like, what she, the fuck? Wait, witches don't like their cats killed. Right. So she's almost like saying, I'm a witch, right? Wait, and I don't like my her? cat being killed. So, okay. So... The police, they start interviewing neighbors and they're like, hey, what the fuck is up with this weird graffiti? Yeah. And they start finding out from neighbors that the Jamesons thought that neighbors had been poisoning their black cats as revenge for Sherilyn admitting that she was a witch. Okay. This family has three black cats, which is, first of all, that's a fuck ton of cats for anyone to have. And then to have three black cats and also say you're a witch and you have a satanic Bible and you have witch's bible in your house and you think your house is haunted yes yeah like this family's up to some weird there's like some weird shit and you can understand how we talked about like this is a very conservative religious community like these are god-fearing people this is the bible belt how they might not take kindly to someone like Sherilyn saying that she's a witch yeah no they would be like get your weird shipping container like move the the fuck off yeah yeah exactly of our neighborhood okay so the pastor also told authorities that bobby had called him asking about quote special bullets that could be used to shoot and kill spirits he claimed that in the days leading up to the disappearance the family had told him that they believed their house to be haunted and that they were involved in what he referred to as quote spiritual warfare the family had apparently frantically claimed that they had made contact with the spirits of a dead family in their house and that their daughter madison stormy star had been regularly talking with the ghost family's child two of the ghosts were allegedly called emily and michael and one of them was reported to have wings like an angel according to these claims Bobby Jameson had become so upset by the hauntings that he had specifically requested these special bullets with which to shoot the intruding entities and his wife Cheryl Lynn had begun to investigate whether the house was built on an old Indian burial ground also Bobby Jameson told his pastor that three spirits were living on the roof of his house what okay now why was he why would he be telling his pastor this because he thought the pastor would know some trick to get rid of the spirits yeah, i the guess pastor like van helsing and yeah right and has be special like, bullets yeah, to kill oh, the vampires silver bullets, yeah like, yeah for your ghost problem. exactly like it's ridiculous yeah okay So also on the Jameson family property is a broken down Cadillac that's missing its wheels, which Sherilyn had also spray painted. So this is Sherilyn's side of the story. She came out to her house, came out of her house one day and saw that somebody had spray painted on this old rusted Cadillac um, derogatory terms about witches. So then she had spray painted over those messages with messages about peace and God. Wait a second. So let me show you. What a derogatory things that you can say about witches i guess like you fucking witch i don't know (laughs) like i can't really think of anything you you devil worshiper maybe so this is so you it's kind of hard to see but oh yeah it says like peace god yeah yeah, peace peace. yeah this is some this is very um 
I'm going to say that a realtor would have a fit at the curb appeal of their house. Right. They have a shipping <laughs> container with graffiti on it and they have a broken down Cadillac right. and you got ghosts. Exactly. Okay. Also, friends and neighbors of Sherilyn report that Sherilyn would openly admit to being a witch and left, quote, witch paraphernalia out around her property to protect her from bad spirits and evil people. Oh, she, just like pointy hats? I stuff? guess. I don't know, like broomsticks. And then Sherilyn's friend, Nikki, that we talked about earlier, that got the call for, about the white supremacist tip, uh-huh. she said that um, her and Sherilyn would often do rituals together around the house, trying to get rid of the ghosts that lived there. In some interviews, Nikki downplays these occult rituals, and in others, she doesn't. And I have an excerpt here from an interview published on MysteriousUniverse.org where Nikki says, Sherilyn was interested in witches. We both were. Years before, we bought matching witches' Bibles. We put them on our coffee tables as a bit of a joke. That's what the police found. But in all seriousness, that house was haunted. I don't want to sound crazy, but whenever I was there, I felt a horrible presence. I would leave feeling so down and depressed, it's hard to describe. Once I was in the living room, and this sort of gray mist descended down the stairs. It really scared me. She told me on a couple of occasions, Bobby, who was such a gentleman, would suddenly come at her and his eyes would be completely dead and black like he was possessed. Sherilyn would leave notes around the house saying, get out, Satan, and stuff like that. It was her way of dealing with things. Okay, and another supporting argument for some of the supernatural and like theory to why they went missing is another excerpt from Sherilyn's journal that she kept, and I'm going to read it to you. And I'm going to read you the whole thing. It's fucking weird, and it doesn't make any sense, and then I'm going to tell you what I think it is, okay? Both knives on bottom are me and Bobby. Knives going same direction. Females point up or to the right. Males point to the left or down. Women are right from men are left. And then it's a diagram of one, two, three, four knives. And one knife is labeled me. One is labeled Bobby. And one says small serrated. And then it says next to that with small and submissive going the same direction that drifting on different direction both on the way out of the stack but being helped to gather by the masked dominant knife god okay i know that was weird let me read you a couple more of these two lie two knives out now gone three lies out one lie in out one through back in knife through back in going against the flow on stop of two knives closing there two with one on the very bottom and then the side says knife then top freebie but was on the outside as a second chance and then there's another diagram she drew with one two three four five this is literally english she drove she drew six knives and they're labeled again this one says end over then this one says over bottom this one says under all and this and then another another one says under all okay not even done yet here's the next entry two knives on bottom male and female with on bottom covered by all knives and then there's a another diagram that looks even worse than the other two it's like it's getting more and more crazy and then it says the master knife with the and then it's kind of blocked out there got a dominant the knives on in two separate forms all covered by knives that female and male 
and child. To Bobby and Sherilyn, the old knives present the kids, and the mom, the knife is a small knife, having the group, mother-in-laws, and one venturing thus way out. Then the next page is literally just a diagram of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So it's like every diagram has more and more knives. Every mm-hmm. page has more and more knives. And then at the bottom it says, very bottom, next at bottom, top. So what is your impression of that? Like gibberish I just read you and those diagrams of knives. Like, do you think, does this seem like something healthy to no, fixate on? No, it sounds like... It sounds like she's doing drugs and she's just getting deeper and deeper into this whatever language or whatever thing she's doing. She's just getting more and more obsessed with it. Right. So it definitely could be drugs for sure. Um, It could also be mental illness. Right. But have you ever heard of Macaromancy? Macaromancy? Well, I know necromancy we talked about in the last episode was about like divination with like your ancestors that died totally yeah so you're trying to figure out things about like the future in in case of necromancy okay so macaromancy you're right on the money is a form of divination by interpreting knives daggers or swords one of many methods in divination based on the use of weapons so this is directly from the wikipedia article this Mm -hmm. was a super popular thing amongst gypsies back in the day And I know that some people now say like gypsies is a derogatory term. I'm literally just reading what the Wikipedia article says. And what people would do is they would take daggers, swords, knives, and they would kind of put them in this circle. And then they would spin a knife and wherever the knife would land would represent a letter until Mm -hmm. it spelled something out. So it's sort of like a combination of a Ouija board and like it's literally divination with like a Ouija board that's not a Ouija board it's knives so she's probably writing what notes make sense to her um about how these knives are landing and then later we'll go back through and figure out what it spelled out yeah it could absolutely I think that makes a lot of sense um it could also be like this is a spell that she's writing down um maybe she's yeah she's spinning the knives and the diagram gets more and more knives as the pages go on because she's drawing them at where they fall so that she remembers yeah definitely okay so this is like fucking weird right like all of this the mist coming down the stairs is like that's scary and she said her friend was like yeah we got these witch bibles as a joke and like that's why you shouldn't joke around yeah that's why you don't joke around with shit like um necromancy macaromancy you have a fake witch. you have a silly witch bible on your coffee table and then haunted shit starts happening exactly if you have a like attracts like. Yeah. Yeah. So your coffee table should just have no books. Yeah. And okay. So that is the theories about like sort of like a supernatural ghost reason for why they went missing. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now we have the murder suicide theory. So the excerpt from Sherilyn's letter that we read earlier seems to show that she may have been frightened of her husband. The letter was 11 pages long and found in the abandoned truck. Why would Sherilyn have brought this letter with her on the trip? Did Bobby find it and get mad at her and force her to drive with him to the forest so that he could kill her and Madison Stormy Star before killing himself? Also, I ask you, Natalia, who the fuck writes 11 pages to their husband that they live with like I've been really mad before and I could totally see myself like I'm the kind of person who needs to gather my thoughts before I tell someone that I'm mad because Mm -hmm. I'm always really worried about overreacting so I could totally see like maybe jotting down like oh I want to make sure I cover this point and this point and why it upset me but I like I cannot foresee myself writing more than like three bullet points there's just no way 
Yeah, I mean, she was mad. Yeah, <laughs> a woman I, scorned. <laughs> have you also has your fiance? Has Stephen ever come up to you and been like, "Hey, Alyssa, I don't think it's safe for us to have credit cards and banks. Let's take all <laughs> of our money out and, and I, keep and it in a coffee jar." Car. Yeah, and he's like, "And also, I want to get off the grid." And which, well, I guess he's kind of done this before. Delete Instagram. <laughs> delete Twitter. Right, delete right. all of it. Say goodbye. That's to your our family. version of going off the grid is just not using social media. <laughs> We're gonna go out into a forest and live in a storage container. Do you think you may have eleven pages of things to say to him? I think I would literally just say I'm scared of you. I would tell him to his face. I would yeah. be like, "Hey, I'm fucking scared of you, and I'm gonna leave." But I, but to your point, if someone was actually ask, acting that crazy, then maybe, like you said, Sherilyn wrote this letter to tell him that she was leaving him or something, yeah. and then left it on in the house, and maybe he found it, and then he was mad, and he drove them and, all oh, out there. Yeah. Maybe this was like a thing. Like he brought the that page with him and was like, "Hey, what is this?" Yeah, yeah, I totally could have been. Um, okay. So, like I said, authorities have never released this letter to the public in, in, in its entirety. However, they do describe the 11-page letter as a, quote, hate letter. So, like, the opposite of a love letter yeah. from Sherilyn to Bobby in which she accused him of being a, quote, hermit and isolating her from her friends and family. Then there's some people who think that Bobby isn't the one who killed everyone, but they still believe in the murder-suicide angle. And they think that Sherilyn killed everyone as evidenced by her being fucking crazy writing this 11-page letter. Yeah. So um, Sherilyn's mom actually describes one incident that left her feeling like her daughter's mental health was declining. She described a scenario where Sherilyn and Connie, the mom, were driving together. And this is a direct quote. She became very illogical. One day she drove me to Oklahoma City and dropped me off on the street. She told me to get out of my car so i did like that's the exact enunciation she uses in this interview wow Sherilyn had also allegedly been diagnosed as a manic depressive with bipolar disorder and depression which had been getting worse in the months leading up to the family's disappearance so that's sort of like maybe a murder suicide angles maybe she was slowly losing her mind she wasn't yeah. properly medicated maybe she was doing meth um as a way to cope with the, some of this mental illness and then just went nuts and you know decided essentially like I want to go back home to be with God my savior because all of her ramblings in her journal seem to point to her kind of believing in revelations and then the yeah. Steve Quayle website she thinks the end is coming and so maybe she just thought like I'm going to make the end come sooner um, and I'm going to take my child and my husband and we're going to you know take these prescription pills for example because yeah. there were empty prescription yeah. pills in the car yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. like she could have taken the pills or like hit her husband over the head with the rock right yeah and that's what, or maybe shot him we know that she had a gun registered yeah. to her and so something interesting about the gun that i forgot to mention to you is that on that footage that you saw of them walking back and forth between the house and car so the cops say that they can definitively say that she brought two items in the car that were never recovered one is her handgun that was, re was registered to her legally and the second one was a black briefcase mm. so her Full of her witch stuff. Yeah, full of her witch stuff. Or more money or gold. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then that roommate I told you about, maybe that roommate that Sherilyn had run off with a gun because he found out she was a Native American and he was a white supremacist, maybe that guy had put a hit out on her like we talked about and that could yeah. be a murder situation. And all, But the only thing that like kind of makes it seem like maybe not is that the police actually did investigate this guy and he was in jail during the time that they went missing. So basically he couldn't have done it himself. But he could have had someone Right, do it. but if he really was a white supremacist, then he could have, I'm sure, told 
killed other people. So now I'm going to tell you Sheriff Beecham's Mm -hmm. theory of what happened. So he stated in an interview, I think they were forced to stop and got out of the truck to meet with someone they recognized. And I think they either left willingly or by force. Some people think that the last known photo of Madison where she's looking kind of mad with her arms crossed that we Mm -hmm. saw and she's like in front of the boulder in the forest, like they think that that is a clue to a murder. Um, And they think that they can see blood on the collar of her shirt, tears in her eyes, and scraped knuckles, as if someone had chased her or beaten her up and then forced her to pose for a photo for some reason. Mm. And so, like, that might seem like, well, like, it makes no fucking sense. But, like, this whole case makes no fucking sense. But it could have been a ransom thing, right? Yes. Like, they take her and they into the woods. They take these photos of her. And then they're like, hey, like... We have have her, her. and if you want her back, then, yeah, yeah. like, you have to give us money, or you got to come with us somewhere, and then they get tricked, and they get killed, too, and it would be easy to transport the body of a six-year-old, so it may, you know, if they're killed in different locations, like, it would be pretty hard to kill the adults in a different location. Right, but they could have just put all the bodies there after. Yes. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the next theory, which is drug-related. Okay, Bobby's mother, Starlet Jameson, says, I've seen Bobby before, just kind of in a daze because of the medicine he took. It's not illegal drugs. They didn't find any drugs at the house. They didn't find any drugs in the pickup. Sherilyn's mom, Connie, says that after the car accident that occurred in 2003, which left both Jameson parents on state disability, she noticed that they had become addicted to prescription drugs for pain. Mm. However, I... I'm insane. And I decided that I was going to spend $10 on court documents from Oklahoma County website. And I found the documents for this car accident. Okay. Because every single fucking podcast I listened to, every single article I read always like talks about this car accident in 2003 as if it's some pivotal moment in the Jameson family's life where like everything was fine. They were totally normal. Then they got in this car accident. They were disabled. They couldn't work anymore. They had money problems. They got addicted to prescription pills. They were living on, you know, basically welfare. Okay. So I'm like, why has nobody looked into this? Like if this was such a pivotal moment that like led to the family's downfall, then wouldn't it be like fucking important? So I bought the court document. Documents, and I found out all of the names, the first, middle, and last name of every single person involved in that car accident because Bobby had sued three different drivers of cars. And I was like, how does that even work? Like, how could three different cars have hit him at once, yeah. right? So I ended up like Googling on or Facebook searching these. I reactivated my Facebook just for this episode. And I found one of the women involved in the car accident and she talked to me. Oh my God, you are Liam Neeson. Right? I am fucking what, Liam what Neeson. What did she say? Okay, I am going to read you the uh, the entire Facebook conversation that I had with her, okay? Now, I do want to say to our listeners, do not try to find out who this woman is. She wants to remain anonymous. This is a sketchy story. Like, she was just being super nice. I can't nice. believe she even talked to you. Yeah, well, she was so sweet. Like, honestly, I didn't even think it was her because she looks so young. I was like, there's no way that this is the same person that was in a 2003 car accident. Yeah. But it, it was her. She confirmed it. And she said, it's totally fine for me to share the information we talked about as long as she remains anonymous. So I just asked people to please respect her um anonymity yeah okay so let me load up my facebook it starts like this me hi are you blank by chance and she responds immediately i love this woman and she goes yes 
And I said, OMG, hi, it's great to meet you. I know this is random, but I have a podcast called Let's Get Haunted. And next week I'm talking about the Jameson family disappearance. I think you were in a car accident with Bobby Jameson in 2003. I know you weren't at fault and the podcast isn't about the car accident specifically, but I was wondering if you have ever met him in person and could tell me what your impression of him was. There are a lot of rumors about drugs and witchcraft and about him being a serial scammer. Just wondering if you got that impression from him. And then she said, can you tell me where this accident happened? And I said, sure, I have the court documents. Let me send them to you. So I sent them to her and she says, man, that's a blast from the past. To answer your questions, I did not have any direct contact with the truck driver after the accident. I thought it may have been his wife I talked to after the accident. She encouraged me to see a doctor because I was pregnant at the time. Other than that, I don't really remember any form of personal interaction. Only that the lawsuit came out of the blue and the things his memory of events were way different than what actually happened. Oh, she's so humble and nice. Yeah, right? She's so sweet. I yeah. love this woman. And I said, um, oh, wow, were you and your baby okay that's so scary and she said yes we were fine he's actually 15 today and I said happy oh. 15th year of life to him oh. um, and then she said I was more of a wrong place wrong time situation I barely got hit the car that hit him head on took the brunt of it and I said do you know if he was at fault for the accident or if it seemed like he was the person in the wrong and she says, if I remember correctly, it was one of those roads that was super curvy. They later straightened out the road, but it was actually the car in front of me that crossed the center line and hit him. But he was in a big old truck with a flatbed hauling a tree with a huge root ball. I don't think he had any damage to his vehicle except a blown out tire on his flatbed. She was driving one of those flimsy firebirds and her front end just disintegrated. And I said, did the police or firefighters or ambulance have to show up for anyone or did you all just exchange insurance info and go on your separate ways and she said I think a police car came but I don't think any tickets were issued we exchanged insurance actually the woman he was with which is Sherilyn mm -hmm. um, was very adamant about collecting everyone's information his lawsuit was bogus and I said according to these court documents it looked like it looks like he sued you plus the car that hit him plus someone else that seems so bizarre to me when clearly you had nothing to do with it do you know if the person that hit him ended up having to pay him anything and she said, I have no idea. My insurance company dealt with the lawsuit. I don't even know who the other person is. The woman that hit him was alone. His justification for including me was that I hit him as he was getting out of his vehicle, but I was only a few car lengths behind the car in front of me. She hit him head on, spun, hit him again, and I was slamming on my brakes just in time to tap what was left of her front. Mm -hmm. There was no time where he would have had to descend out of his vehicle. And I said, seems like there's some truth to the rumor about him being a scammer then. And she said, I definitely felt unfairly accused. I had no idea he and his family disappeared. I don't think I ever even knew his name. And so then we talk a little bit about the podcast. And then um, she says, look, I'm not saying he didn't get... Uh, he didn't get whiplash, but I don't get how he would have been so badly injured to have gone on disability. His truck was huge compared to that little car. He was walking around just fine afterwards and no ambulance was called. I don't remember too much. Uh, I don't remember too much damage to his vehicle, but I could be wrong. I was pretty shaken. I just shat, sat there. I just sat there. I, <laughs> I just sat there and didn't want to get out of that car because I was just so sure that the lady in front of me was going to be dead. Mm. Um, and then she said, all of this is so interesting. We were all very fortunate to walk away from that. So what like what do you think of this like that's insane so basically we've just confirmed from an eyewitness that this was a bullshit lawsuit yeah, like this is a family of scammers well, they should not have been on state disability i think right? this family is clearly haunted i mean 
it to me it's like yes there's a huge mystery and i want to know what happened but also fuck man if we can learn any from this it's anything from this it's like they had so many opportunities to piss people off or be killed. Yes. Right? It's yeah. like you're abusing prescription drugs. That's super dangerous. And then maybe you're selling drugs. That's mm-hmm. super dangerous. And piss people off. You're housing a white supremacist who's part of a gang. You own a big gun. That's scary. You, you uh, all your neighbors fucking hate you because you're telling them you're a witch. You're telling right. your pastor that there's ghosts living with you. You ask like, your pastor for bullets to shoot go- Then you ghosts. buy a satanic Bible, even though you're going to church. Right. Like, yeah, like you're getting into um, divination. Divination. You're tossing knives around. You are taking. You're locking. You're you're letting your dog sit in a car that's hot. I know. It's so rude, right? Okay. So you're, then, wanting, you're going on these weird apocalyptic websites. You're trying to scam the IRS. Like you're doing everything. You're suing people who didn't even hit you in a car accident. Yeah. Okay. So a pregnant woman. So basically, no right? Yes. So this basically brings me to like, where did the cash come from? The thirty-two thousand dollars, right? Like it could have been drugs. It could have been a car accident settlement, right? So, but the interesting thing about the car accident settlement, you know, possibility angle is that Connie, the mom, says that she doesn't remember them ever telling her about any settlement money from the car accident. But I think I know where the money came from. Are you ready for this? I have a theory that I've never heard proposed before. What? Okay. So when I was paying money to look through all these court documents, I came across another court document that I thought might be relevant. So on May 11th, 2009, approximately five months before the Jamesons went missing, Bobby Jameson filed a lawsuit against both his mother and father in the district court of Oklahoma County. And uh, and here's what the lawsuit states. So I literally paid to get these documents and this is what it says. You are the expert on this case. Okay. So Plaintiff Bobby Dale Jameson, an individual in support of his causes of action against defendants Bobby Jean Jameson and Scarlett Jean Jameson. So this is going to get a little bit confusing. Basically, Bobby Jr. is Bobby Dale. Bobby Sr. is Bobby Dean. And then Scarlett Jean is Bobby's mom. Mm -hmm. Okay. Plaintiff is a resident of McIntosh County, Oklahoma. Property at issue in this matter is situated in Oklahoma County, Oklahoma. Most, if not all, of the facts and circumstances giving rise to plaintiff's claims against defendant occurred in Oklahoma City, and jurisdiction and venue are proper before this court. Recently, defendant Bobby Jean Damison and defendant Scarlett Jean Damison have gone through a divorce in Cleveland County. The judge in that case was made aware of plaintiff's potential interest in marital assets and verbally gave plaintiff 10 days to file a petition in the proper county and notice of her filing in addition in order that she may consider a stay on division of the marital estate due to the fact actions occurred in Oklahoma County um, plaintiff determined jurisdiction and venue are proper here plaintiff is timely filing this action count one so these are the the counts that he's suing his parents for uh-huh Count one, fraud against Bobby Jean Damison. Plaintiff is the son of defendants. Defendant Bobby Jean Damison enticed plaintiff to work for free at a gas station in Oklahoma City for numerous years without any compensation, but with understanding that the station would be half his when he was older. Mm. Defendant also promised plaintiff that he would be an owner of parcels of land. At some point, defendant Bobby Jean Damison signed a loan regarding subject property and plaintiff co-signed for such loan. At some point, 
in the 1980s, defendant asked plaintiff to sign a document and told him that the document needed to be signed in order to keep plaintiff's ownership interest in such property. Plaintiff was not well versed in real estate and trusted defendant to properly deed all such real estate property to him. Plaintiff relied on defendant Bobby Jean Damison's representations to his detriment as he only recently learned through his parents' divorce that subject property is inaccurately titled only in both defendant's names. Plaintiff worked for free for numerous years and expected to have property in his name as he has a minor child. Defendant Scarlett Jameson does not dispute plaintiff's ownership interest in certain real property and is willing to cede her portion to allow proper deeds to be filed reflecting plaintiff's interests. Oh, so and- basically his parents are getting a divorce and the mom, like they're splitting up the they're splitting up their property half and half 50-50 and he's the he's suing them because he's like I was promised that I would have a part of this which but then, is so dumb but then his mom is being sweet and is being like you know what I'll forfeit my part and right. give it to you you so can just you have, can have it. it stop fucking suing us just yeah. have it I know it's so dumb okay so that's count one count two plaintiff incorporates all previous paragraphs within the last two years defendant Bobby Jean Damison purchased two vehicles that he verbally gifted to plaintiff's daughter Madison in presence of witnesses defendant Bobby Jean Damison then incurred debt was involved in alcohol and drug abuse, was temporarily placed in a psychiatric unit at a healthcare facility, and has since unilaterally changed the title designation on such vehicles. Okay, this makes me mad because it's like, this is these are vehicles that your dad bought. You in no way own these vehicles. Like, you do have no right to these vehicles. Yeah. I don't understand. I hate well, when he people... he gave it to his daughter, not him, right? Well, he's, he verbally said, I'm going to give these trucks to your daughter one day but oh. then he got into some legal trouble and so he had to sell the cars and now bobby right. jr's like give me the money it's like yeah. no it was a gift yeah exactly okay count three um defendant breached such duty within the Oh, defendant had a duty not to harm plaintiff, plaintiff's direct family, and plaintiff's property interests. Defendant breached such duty within the last two years in physically harming plaintiff and threatening his family. Defendant's actions were willful, wanton, knowing, and purposeful. Defendant's actions were the direct and proximate cause of plaintiff's damages, which are significant. Okay, count four, last count. Um, plaintiff sacrificed years of labor for free and sacrificed numerous opportunities to gain employment with promise from defendant Bobby Jean Jameson that he would own property at issue in defendant's divorce. Bobby, defendant Bobby Dean Jameson has transferred and sold property at below reasonable market level and has refused to pay plaintiff for his years of work. As such, he has dissipated plaintiff's property interest without paying plaintiff. Plaintiff improved defendant's property and deserves to have such values separated from the marital estate at issue. Oh, so basically he's going going through a divorce and the in the divorce they're they're he's probably just like oh, fuck i want to get this over with so i'm right. not going to sell my property for exactly what it's worth i'm just going to yeah sell just it. get rid of it yeah and now the son. son is saying well that's not fair because that's you know was going to be my property and now you're giving me less money than what it was actually worth right so basically yes you're totally right so first of all this dude's a fucking asshole he's a scammer who sues their own parents like yeah. come on dude if you're really that concerned wait until they fucking die and then you'll inherit it right yeah. like that's you don't just say to your parents oh you got a divorce i want some of your divorce settlement um okay (laughs) now yeah that's an asshole right that's an asshole move like they're already going through enough trauma going through a divorce so remember how we keep talking about how they were on disability following the car accident right okay 
Well, it makes sense that his dad would have paid him in cash instead of hiring him as a formal employee so that his son wouldn't get his disability benefits taken away. So when you pay someone under the table in cash, you can hide the money in your house, like $32,000, instead of taking it to a bank. As long as you don't put the money in the bank, the government technically doesn't know it exists as long as the IRS doesn't audit you. So you think that he was getting paid for this, but then he knew that his dad and he fucking double crossed him. Yes. So I think I think that he got greedy. I think that he um, so clearly he was greedy. He was suing anybody who ever touched him. Anybody. People that didn't even touch him got sued. Yeah. So he lived in that big house and he didn't have even a job. And he's like, what are you doing, man? Right. So I think that he got greedy and decided that the tax free money he was getting paid from his dad wasn't enough. He wanted more money, more property. He decided to sue his own father for allegedly not paying him a claim which his father would be unable to dispute because he would obviously have no payroll records since he had paid his son in cash. Bobby also knew that his dad would lose the suit and Bobby would get a lot more money in the process. Also interesting to me, in the suit, Bobby says that by working without pay in his dad's shop, he was unable to find employment elsewhere. But wouldn't he have been unable to find work elsewhere if he was actually disabled? Exactly. You're basically fucking outing yourself, you dumbass. So I wrote in all caps here, scam, scam, scam. Um, The lawsuit was eventually thrown out because Bobby went missing on October 8th, 2009. Could Bobby's dad have killed him out of revenge for suing him? Bobby had also filed a temporary restraining order against his father on May 1st, 2009, 10 days before he filed the fraud case against his dad and mom. But he might have just done that to look good in court, to make it look like he's a victim. Absolutely. So he had alleged that Bobby Sr. had threatened to kill him and his family on two separate occasions, November of 2008 and April of 2009. In the petition, Bobby wrote that his father had hit him with his vehicle on November 1st, 2008. Wow, it's not even his first time to sue for someone it's not even his first time alleging he got hit by a vehicle that he didn't right um bobby also wrote in the petition that his dad was quote a very dangerous man who thinks he's above the law and that his dad is involved with quote prostitutes gangs and meth bobby also wrote quote my entire family is severely scared for their lives i am in fear at all times however some of our listeners might not know this you can literally file a restraining order against anyone yeah like i could fire one file one against you yeah like i could file one against fucking audacity for dropping the audio out (laughs) of our first intro that we tried to record um and so like that is just evidenced by like Bobby Jr. filed this restraining order and then that restraining order was dissolved after only 17 days because the judge was like no there's no evidence of this um in an interview Bobby's uncle who was Bobby Sr.'s brother was quoted in an interview saying that although Bobby Sr. was quote mentally disturbed at the time he was quote pretty sure he was not capable of murder Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Um, People always talk about rumors that the family was involved in meth production and cartels, but it seems like Bobby Jr. is the one who started these rumors when he filed the restraining order against his dad. Yeah. If he were involved in meth himself, why would he voluntarily tip off the authorities by putting it in writing? Mm -hmm. Also, the judge couldn't find any evidence of this allegation evidenced by the dissolution of the restraining order. Um, okay, so if we don't like my theory about the cash, like if we don't like the theory about him getting paid under the table and we like the drug theory instead that the money came from drugs, then maybe the family had been hired or contracted or even forced by a gang or cartel to conduct a drug drop deal, cash for meth, and were then killed or kidnapped when the deal went bad. However, if this is the case, then why was the cash left in yeah, the car? Yeah, they would have taken the cash. Right. And so something that some people have argued is, you know how there's that missing briefcase? Yeah. Maybe half of the money was in a briefcase. Right. And, and they didn't even 
think and so they didn't even think yeah. yeah because they're just crazy and don't want to put any of their money in a bank so they just carry around their money with them all the time right and yeah. maybe they were going to do this drug drop and so they had half of the cash in this suitcase that would who help brings pay their for child it? to do a drug drop maybe they thought it would make it so that they wouldn't get killed because who kills a child like an insurance policy almost i definitely like all of these theories have sides of them that make sense and sides of them that don't right yeah it's like nothing completely convinces me that that's what happened right and my very last theory which is short i promise is the 35th degree latitude have you ever heard of this yes actually that's that everything bad happens on the 35th degree yes. latitude okay so for unknown reasons yes so some have dubbed it as the line of tragedy and it is along the 35th degree latitude that a whole string of brutal murders have occurred including the shocking case of andrea pia kennedy yates a houston woman suffering from postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis who on june 20th 2001 murdered all five of her children by drowning them in a bathtub i remember that yes another famous murder that occurred along this line was the horrific murder of pastor carol daniels whose mutilated corpse was found propped up behind the church altar in a crucifix position a murder that was widely believed to be tied to satanic activity at the time it was so so sadistic and brutal that district attorney brett burns and several law enforcement officers involved with the case said that it was the most horrible crime they had ever seen the 35th degree latitude was also where timothy mcveigh carried out the bombing of the alfred p murrah federal building in oklahoma which killed 168 people and injured nearly 700 others where did the jamesons disappear natalia you guessed it degree on the 35th degree latitude in addition to these murders another disappearance eerily similar to that of the jameson family and occurring along the 35th degree latitude as well was the mysterious vanishing of tommy raymond estep after visiting eufaula which you may recognize as the very same town where the jameson family had been living he proceeded to disappear and police would later find his abandoned truck at a highway cross roads near watumka oklahoma lying on the 35th degree north latitude the case most certainly echoes the jameson disappearance and the other links make it rather odd indeed is this all mere coincidence or is there something more sinister at work and that is an excerpt from mysteriousuniverse.org what the fuck dude i fucking dude the 35th degree line is just like a bunch of people are really hot they're just like it's a fucking october it's too hot <laughs> why is it this hot right they go crazy so which of all these theories we talked about like a fuck ton t- tonight which yeah. of all these theories is your favorite the 35th degree line yeah that one's pretty dope because i want to think that that turtle that's written on that rock is just like <laughs> this is the 35th degree line i'm trying to warn you i'm trying to warn you this turtle is oh maybe that degrees and is that why the conquistadors got sick at that location because yeah, it's exactly. the 35th degree latitude yes that's what i'm married to this idea that gold gold yeah look i'm psychic and when i opened up that stephenquail.com the first thing i saw was the gold and also the bodies were found 2.7 miles away from their truck and you said that the expert on the rock (laughs) the standing rock said that it was common practice at that time to bury your treasure with three points yeah and these would be between 100 meters and three miles well, guess what's within that? 2.7 miles. Wait, Natalia, you just made me realize I'm pretty sure the three points, the car, mm-hmm. the bodies, and where that picture of Madison were taken, yeah. I think it forms a triangle. Yeah. So if we were to go in the middle of that and dig. We would die. <laughs> 
We would be immediately murdered by someone cooking meth out there. Well, I think the scariest thing is that town, the LOM. That's scary. Yeah, that's super scary. It's like a cult town. Also, I just can't believe places like this exist, you know? Yeah, you would think that it would just be like nuked by the Oklahoma Police Department. Yeah, they'd be like, no. They have like we're a, not doing a this. bomb there. Right. I guess they probably just figured like, you know what? We're just going to let them be fucking weird over here and we're just never going to interact with them. Well, it seems like there's a ton of convicted actual murderers there and that they buried this like... First of all, how do you even get an executed body from the state? Right. Like, what the fuck? I know, that's so fucking weird. Well, I think I kind of like the murder theory. I be, Just because I think this family pissed off literally everyone they yeah, came into they contact did. with. You're right. But I do think it's... But I don't think it had to do with their uh, the parents. Like no, the I don't think... And also the dad died. It's really sad. The, di- the dad died shortly after... Um, his son went missing so and it was of natural causes it Mm -hmm. wasn't like suicide or drug overdose and so i don't think he even would have been strong enough he was like an elderly man Mm. but i do think he was paying him in cash and that bobby jr got uh greedy i mean these people were definitely possessed by some evil force right was it greed was it the devil was Was it spirits that was the gray mist think about it like their whole premise of oh we can't let the government see our money we can't do this we can't do this we have to go live off the grid it was all about hoarding money yeah you're right it was all it all came down to the end times revelations and some for some reason needing your money with you even though the end is nigh (laughs) interesting how that works right yeah yeah if you guys haven't noticed, we are incorporating a new outro for all of our videos. Uh-huh. Natalia, what what is the outro for this video? BRB, gotta go triangulate where the hidden gold is <laughs> near uh, the 35th degree line. Possibly lose my mind, but I'll have gold. Sounds good to me. Bye. Bye. Bye.